And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman Report for today. It is Thursday, April 5th, 2018. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the program tonight. I want to wish everyone a, uh, a just a great day today, and and um, I want to thank everyone for joining us, and thank you so much for your continued belief and uh, trust in us as we go through a, just a just a, an incredible number of headlines and this undercurrent of, um, well, something's got to give. And, and I think everyone would probably agree with me on that. Uh, we got a great show lined up for you tonight. Eight, top of the hour, eight o'clock. Dr. Paul L. Williams is going to be coming on. We, uh, obviously Killing Uncle Sam is his new book. Uh, we're going to be talking about that. Go ahead. The Killing of Uncle Sam. That's correct. I know it's, uh. That, oh, I left off the. Well, sorry. see, I switched the, the title. This was the original title. Killing Uncle yeah. Sam started with Operation Gladio. But as Eric pointed out, the book is titled The Killing of Uncle Sam. So I, I fix that. So it's The Killing of Uncle Sam. Started with Operation Gladio. But Paul L. Williams will be on tonight. Uh, return guest. Great book. Great author. And we have a lot to get into. Uh, he's a good friend of, good friend of the program, good friend of mine. And we've, you know, we've actually, uh, done some work together. And as a matter of fact, uh, the day of, the day of Islam, if you have a chance to pick that book up, you can see some of the work that, that I did undercover and how um and provided that to uh, Dr. Williams uh for the for the book he did so it's uh it's really a great it's really a great exposé that deal, that deals primarily with the nation of or I'm sorry not the nation of Islam but the uh, uh Islam Islamberg as well as the front group behind the uh behind the the whole setup there, Islamburg, and of course the uh, compounds all across the United States, some 35 of them at, at their height, and uh, the leader of the group, Sheikh Mubarak Ali Jalani, and the name of the group, Jamaat al-Fukra. So, the, the Day of Islam, and that's the book that um, preceded a number of others. I think that came out back in the early 2000s. Um, maybe 2010, 2011, but it's still relevant to what we're seeing today. And then, of course, he went on with the oper- Operation Gladio and such. So, very looking forward to, to the uh, second hour as well. And then we've got Keith Hansen as well as Dane Wigington coming on the show today as well. Um, a couple of announcements. Don't forget, folks, registration for Occupy 2018. Got to, got to get it. It's going quickly. The seats are going quickly. The hotel rooms in that area are going very quickly. Get a good rate. Just go to HagmanReport.com. In fact, bookmark HagmanReport.com. But click on the link to Occupy 2018, and that'll take you right to the website where you can register. Looking forward to meeting everyone. Go ahead. Coach said last night that if you want to get your tickets for the event to get them, uh, if you want to stay at the hotel that's actually hosting the conference, that there's not many rooms left. So get your uh, seats today. But go to CoachDaveLive.com, or it's also linked off Hagman Report. You see the banner there for the Occupy 2018 conference in Canton, Ohio, April 20th through the 22nd. And we had Coach on last night. And the speakers who are going to be there, uh, we are going to – we have many of them booked who are going to be coming on our show leading up to this event. 
So if you like what you hear, make sure you get your tickets. And uh, a lot of familiar faces there, some uh, new. Uh, that that Mark Trump guy, uh, very interesting. What Coach said about him. Looking forward to to meeting him. Yeah, very well. But Pastor very Bagley, Russ Dizdar, Mike Spaulding, uh, all will be there. Including the, the energy us. behind that. I mean, the the energy of the people there is it's going to be a really good, a really good conference. Um, also, just another announcement. I'll be hosting our the, the fourth hour of Infowars tomorrow as well. Uh, possibly some of the third hour. I'm not sure. I haven't gotten a confirmation back on that, but. Uh, uh, maybe hang with, uh, with Alex for the third hour and then, although he might have to leave early and then, uh, hosting the fourth hour. So that's tomorrow. That would be April 6th. So hopefully you can join, join me then. And of course, don't forget two shows, the Doug Hagman Investigative Hour, Doug Hagman Radio Show. That's from nine to ten and two to three for John and Joe, the Hagman Daily Show. All right. So a number of things to get into. And of course, the, um, the exploitation that's coming, I think we haven't seen it yet, but the exploitation, from the shooting incident at YouTube is coming. Um, it's going to be even greater. I think we have to keep our eye on that. The uh, uh, Even after the mass shooting event, quote, mass shooting before or more, um, Google or uh, YouTube, along with Google and others, continue to censor content on YouTube. What will that do? And at what point, again, at what point is the breaking point for many of these uh, social networking platforms as well as the conservative Christian right. The the censorship issue, in my view, has really ratcheted up over the last several weeks, several months, uh, because uh, and it's asymmetrical too how how these things are how these things are playing out. The calls for censorship of, of various people and various groups and various on various platforms. You'll notice perhaps uh, if you've been watching the news, Kevin uh, Williams. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you. No. Hired by the Atlantic, uh, and fired by the Atlantic after the progressive left put pressure on the website, the Atlantic, uh, to, to remove Kevin Williams because of previous, previous now Twitter, uh, messages as well as previous podcasts. And you're seeing at the, at the yeah. New York Times too, they have a huge battle brewing between, uh, Authors uh, of articles at the New York Times and uh, people who write op-eds, and they brought in some younger people and a few conservatives. And there is a huge personnel crisis at the New York Times, according to reports, because the the, the more progressive-leaning writers don't want these people also writing for the same paper that they do. They feel it is a uh, some kind of slight to them and to their viewpoint. So you see these battles um, in the media. And interestingly enough, when I was um, on a food run today uh, for dinner, I, I had the Sean Hannity show on, and he's, he he said something that uh, caught my attention. He wasn't only talking about the censorship, but he mentioned the monitoring of the conservative and alternative media. And you know, this is one thing that we do talk about. You know, the, the people who transcribe the show and listen to every word, looking for any and everything that they can use uh, to use against us. But the monitoring, I mean, that is a big part of this. It's not like a it's some organic YouTube or social media algorithm that, you know, catches certain people uh, saying things they disagree with. There are people who monitor constantly yeah. the conservative and alternative media feeds, and it's not people monitoring it to learn something or to listen to their favorite or, or hosts or shows that they like. It's to monitor it in order to find something to use against those people on these social media platforms. 
And who has the time to do that? Who has the resources to sit around and, you know, listen to people that they disagree with in hopes that they say something uh, that in turn can be twisted, taken out of context, or used as an example of why censorship is needed? And especially in the times that we live today with all this hostility, all this division, you'd think that more voices, more opinions would be a good thing. But obviously we know why they can't have that. Anybody who has an, an opposition viewpoint to the you know socialist, communist, mainstream uh, media anymore is labeled as some kind of crazy, Nazi, racist, hater uh, who doesn't you know doesn't know what they're talking about and needs to be censored. And we've seen the huge increase in alternative media platforms and even true news on YouTube. I mean, how does a how does a Christian ministry, uh, Christian and news ministry? It's just amazing to me that they can continue to ban these channels really uh, for no reason, making up reasons as they go, making the rules up as they go as well. And they seem to continue to change. So just when you think you uh, you understand why or, or what it is that you said, or it doesn't matter. They're going to find anything. And in the case of True News, they went back years, a few years, and put two strikes on, on videos from, I think it was 2014, in, in just 24 hours, and then boom, gave them a third strike, wiping their channel out. And it's just unfortunate that with the expansion of the Internet, with the expansion of the alternative media, that they're trying to shut these other channels down um, any way they can. And we've seen everyone from Jake Marfonius to, uh, as we said you know, just recently, uh, True News and Rick Wiles being uh, the latest casualty of YouTube. It's crowdsourced. Jason Goodman's channel, Crowdsource of the Truth, of course, was... Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. The, That's so, a new one. The crowdsource so, for the truth too. Crowdsource for the truth was the, the one truth. that was just C T. Crowdsource C S. Yeah, we got an email from him the other yeah. day. They, crowdsource they for the down. truth too was his new channel. Sorry, yeah, number two at the end. Of All it. right. So yeah, and um, you know we're going to get back to this battle on censorship, but if we can start somewhere interesting, um, what's going on in London is raising. Is getting a lot of attention. Which one is it? The the pensioner, the seventy eight year old pensioner. Oh that, yeah, that too. We or, yeah. or is there something else going on? In fact, there is. There's quite a few things going on. Well, and if you want to see our future, just look at London. But go ahead. Let's talk about the seventy eight year old. We mentioned this story yesterday, uh, and we said we were going to continue to follow it. A seventy eight year old man was laying in his bed sleeping next to his wife, who is seventy six, awoken by two burglars, one with a screwdriver, who you know stuck it in this guy's face and got him out of bed took him down to the kitchen while the other burglar was rummaging through the house looking for things to steal. The 78-year-old man got into a struggle with one of the burglars, overpowered him, grabbing a knife, stabbing him in the chest. The first burglar fled. The second burglar attempted to flee, making it down the street before collapsing and dying. The homeowner was then arrested on suspicion of murder. He since has been bailed out of jail, and the community is starting to speak up around him. Neighbors, friends, and people who have not even known him are all coming to his defense saying he, anything from he should get a medal, uh, to, you know, they're gonna stand behind him. He was not a violent man. He minded his own business. He was a, a good person. But they're treating him as though he is the criminal. And this on the heels of more deaths overnight as an increased, uh, I don't know what you'd say, an increased crime wave, an increased, uh, violence is happening throughout London as the lead surgeon in a London hospital says it's like an Afghanistan war zone as there were two more killed overnight and people are uh, really up in arms about this and Sadiq Khan is 
uh, on the hot seat, really, right now. Hospitals in Mayor Sadiq's Khan, London, resemble those in war zones, according to a senior surgeon working to save victims uh, who have uh, from surging violent crime wave. And they go on. He goes on to say that five years ago, when you if you had a 16-year-old or 17-year-old uh, stabbing another, it was a, a a very serious incident. Now it is the new normal. People expect to see people being killed on a daily basis. Members of the public who are not involved in gangs or violence let this pass without comment, and you get the society you deserve if you ignore violence. On Wednesday, Mayor Khan responded to the crisis by blaming cuts to the police and claiming the crime was affecting other areas of the U.K. too. But, you know, that's what the socialists do. They, they, they blame it's the police. it. It's the police, or it's the gun, or it's the knife. Yep. It's never about the act, it's, or it's never about the the person so this is what they do and of course this is perhaps the most uh, horrific example of what the socialist social justice socialist communist mindset does uh in the influence it wields to to say for example or to have for example this happen uh where you've got a 70 year old man defending his home not, really not having a gun that would have been much much easier but having to use a knife against a guy with a screwdriver as I understand it, as, as it was being reported, um, is that by the way, is that correct? The uh, the guy, the attacker, had a screwdriver, and the the, mm-hmm. the, the pensioner had a knife, or no, the, was it the other way around? The the attacker had a screwdriver, right? And apparently, he forced this man out of bed. Right. He was in an upstairs bedroom, right? And they were ended up down in the kitchen. Yeah, and this I, is where the struggle ensued, and the man grabbed a knife okay. from his own right. home. I just want to make sure the, the, but the uh, guy didn't bring a knife; he brought a screwdriver. Right. Brought but a screw the driver. guy was released on bail. So banned screwdriver. Still, yeah, banned screwdriver. He's still being he's still arrested for or under arrest for the suspicion of murder. Now we're going to follow this case to see if the charges are brought, if they uh, lessen the charges, or if they dismiss them altogether, which is what the vast majority of the community has said. I have not seen any comments saying they agree or support the actions of the police uh, or the district attorney over there, and. It's just amazing. When does this stop? How do you have a man who has had no violence throughout his whole 78 years on earth did not go out and cause trouble? He's laying in his own bed, put in a position where he finds himself with two intruders in his home with weapons, and he manages to overpower one of them, and he wounds him. He obviously stabbed him one time. He didn't continue to stab him. He didn't hold him down and make sure he killed him. The guy got outside and down the street before he died. How can you then turn around and charge this guy with murder? Even here in America, uh, certain states have laws where you have to, you know, take a few steps back or they don't have, you know, you're just allowed to kill people. But if you break into somebody else's home and you get shot, there is no, uh, historically, at least from what I'm aware of, there is no cases where people can be charged with murder in those instances unless you planned or paid the person to break in and that is proven then that's a different story but i just don't see i mean if you're going to charge them i don't know what the law of uh, the uk is i don't know you know what lesser charges if it's similar to you know you have homicide uh, you know the different degrees of murder different degrees of manslaughter or uh and there's all kinds of different charges but couldn't they Put a charge on him on much less than murder. Why does it have well, to be yeah. a capital yeah. offense? Uh, it's it's not even about that. It's about paving the way for uh, the complete subjugation. And this is my view: the complete subjugation of of the population to the police state, to the to the 
uh, socialist agenda, to this communist utopia, ultimately. They, they, don't forget, there were 200, in, in the 20th century, there were an estimated 262 million people who were uh, murdered by communist tyrannical governments. Yeah, we talked about that. Democide yeah. is the term. That, that's right. And and just just understand this. We're seeing, just pulling back the lens a little bit, we're seeing, for example, the the radical left. That's not even the, I shouldn't even say that, the, the left, whether you're, however you define the left. I define it as liberal fascists. They're coming after the Second Amendment first and the Second Amendment second. There was an article in, uh, it, it written, as a matter of fact, it was, it's been reposted quite a few places. I talked about that this morning on my show. But that's, um, that, that's what really what, what they're doing. Um, they're, they're going after the Second Amendment and then the First Amendment next. Second, first, first, second. They can't, they can't really fully control everything that you, you speak and say, meaning the First Amendment without taking away your rights under the Second Amendment. And, of course, the Second Amendment is fully for the, the um, as, as you and I know it, it's, and it's, it's discussed improperly, but as, as folks, as you and I know this, the Second Amendment is, in fact, for uh, protecting yourself against the tyrannical governments, the, uh, the usurping governments. So that's why we have a Second Amendment built into the Constitution. And of course, that that defaults into a self-defense kind of mode. And I and I mentioned mm-hmm. this morning as well. John Coleman did an excellent book. I think it was back in 2010 about the Second Amendment, the purpose, and, and he went into the different. Uh, uh, th- I think through 2010, 2012, in that time period, went through all of the different court cases, but went back to the founding fathers and, and really the the legal aspects of the Constitution. But watch what is taking place. We, the attacks against the Second Amendment right now are taking place. By the way. Kind of leading into that, um, Joe. The um, let me just pull hey, this real up quick. Here. We got an email. Go, go ahead uh, uh, about the the uh, man who in, in London, and they asked, "Do we know the if the attackers were Muslims or if they were refugees?" I'm sure if they were Muslims, they'd be charged with a hate crime too. I, I haven't seen. Uh, you're probably right. I have not seen um, any identification of these two attackers. The one who has died, and the last time I knew, there was one who still has yet to be caught. So you would think that they would put these names and, and information out there to the public, and maybe they have. But I did a, a pretty thorough search this morning, and it was hard to find any updated information. I had to use a site that I don't particularly like, The Sun, um, which had the, the at least the most up-to-date story I saw this, as of this right. morning. But I have not searched since this morning, but we will continue to bring you the latest on these stories uh, but, but, as, the develop, as the news comes out. You know... It, it, Although that that's a story that could stand by itself, it's part of a larger kind of a contagion, or or this this uh, in my view that this this plague that's infecting the brains. I really think, really infecting the brains of many people, where people are just often um, duped. I I don't know how else to explain this. Consider this: the March for Our Lives event last month arose supposedly out of the Parkland school shooting. From that, you saw Emma Gonzalez on the female side, really this robust, uh, dykish, uh, bullish young female. So, by the way, she's used those words to describe herself. Don't, don't yell at me. Okay, okay. I missed part of that, but yeah. Okay. All right. 
and then you've got David Hogg on the other side, um, representing the, the kind of the, uh, you know, more intellectual yet foul mouth, but nonetheless. And, and you look how quickly this, this, this blowback from the Parkland shooting was employed. Look what, I mean, look what happened. How, how quickly this, the, all this came together. Well, when you start dissecting the, this March for Our Lives, but also now we're seeing this, um, town hall, um, town hall for our lives taking place. And I don't know how many people have seen this, the development of town hall for our lives. And, and this event is, uh, the town hall project website, which is, which that website was started and is maintained by former Clinton staffer Jimmy uh, Dahman. In fact, they, they started it last year. But that's just to uh, disrupt and create chaos within within the American society, especially under Donald Trump. But when you look at when you start following the money, and you see that uh, hey, March for Our Lives, that march was so successful. Now we are going to have a town yeah. hall project, yeah. and and you start looking. Okay, Jimmy Dahman from from uh, uh, the Clinton campaign. But when you start following the money. The site was backed and funded by a coalition of, of leftists, Tom Steyer. Remember the commercials against Donald Trump? Tom Steyer, Next Gen America, the Center for American Progress, Indivisible, and, of course, former uh, putative President Barack Hussein Obama's Organizing for Action, among others. And uh, Ted Deutsch, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Federico Wilson, you know, the hat. Of course, they're all liberal leftists, obviously. They're going to be attending a series of gun control for, forums this week in their state, so in Florida. Uh, but when you start looking at behind the the veneer, the thin veneer, and by the way, I, I didn't say that. I didn't use those descriptive terms for for any other uh, any, any other means. When, when you look at what is what she has stated and what she has said, that's self-described as well as David Hogg. Uh, and I'll tell you. Um, it's just it, this is exploitation of our youth and brainwashing of our use of our youth and also in in my view abuse of our children in this in this case um very blatant but go ahead joe I mean, well no i was just reading um trying to get the latest on the uh what we were just talking about the 78 year old and i came across an article published yesterday in the mirror this is what the law allows you to do if an intruder breaks into your home the Crown Prosecution Service, CPS, I guess is the London's the equivalent to the district attorney, and they outline uh, where you stand when faced with an intruder in your home and how to how to deal with it. And they lay out 12 things that you need to know about staying on the right side of the law when defending yourself or your family if an unwanted trespasser is in your property or on your home. And then they go through things like this. Do you have to wait to be attacked? No. If you're if you're in your home in fear for yourself or others, the law does not require you to be attacked before using defensive force. Well, that's that's good to know. What is reasonable force? As a general rule, the more extreme the circumstances and fear felt, the more force you can use lawfully in self-defense. Does the law protect you? Anyone can use reasonable force to protect themselves or others, or carry out an arrest or prevent crime. How far does protection under the law go? And it goes on to basically what you'd expect. If you do what you believe is necessary, that is the best advice. If you're acting lawfully and in self-defense, even if you use something as a weapon, what if the intruder dies? If you acted in a reasonable uh, self-defense as described above the intruder dies, you will still have acted lawfully. 
And then it goes into what if you're chasing them or they run off or what is disproportionate force. And it says the law gives the benefit of the doubt if actions are disproportionate but made clear under extreme circumstances only applies in self-defense or protecting others. So they're saying that you are even allowed to use disproportionate force if you feel threatened or not. So I don't know what the police in London are thinking uh, arresting this man unless they have, I don't know, there has to be something that, or they're just, uh, no, no, it's it's just, it's just the, the UK being subjected or subjugating to the will of the, of the socialists. Great Britain, in my view, or the UK is pretty far gone, especially when it comes to speech and defense. Now look at the United States. Look at, and this, this is not getting enough attention. Look at the town of Deerfield, Illinois. I, I realize that, that, uh, well, it it came out this week. I I think it was early this week, if not late last week, that, an ordinance is, is going into, into place where you won't be able to own an AR-15 or an AK-47 or any any semi-automatic long gun or handgun uh, based on their ordinance that will be effective June 13th. Okay. Fines upwards of two uh, upwards of a thousand dollars, starting at two fifty per day for the possession, the mere possession, the mere ownership of these weapons and or magazines. So now, before uh, you get too far down this, no, I just, no, no, that's fine. I just want to bring this out. This is happening here in the United States, but to what end? Go on. I found um, just tomorrow, Friday. Well, it's tomorrow in London right now. Um, at 12:01 a.m., this was published. Stabbed criminal preyed on elderly. Dead burglar wanted for raid on other pensioners' home. This guy named this guy's name is Henry Vincent. He had been jailed at least twice previously for. Uh, fraud offenses against the elderly. He died in the scuffle after threatening a 78-year-old man with a screwdriver. Uh, Mr. Osborne Brooks was the victim. He was released from police custody to glowing praise yesterday. Vincent, 37, was linked to a sick contract which targeted another man in his 70s. Police suspected him of distraction of a distraction raid in November in which a crying woman diverted the victim's attention while two male accomplices ransacked the house. The gang escaped with a jewelry box from the home uh, in Kent, nearly 20 miles from Mr. Osborne Brooks' house in southeast London, and detectives believe that Vincent, a member of a traveling community, was working with a man called Billy Jeeves, who is still being sought by authorities. So, to answer your question, these people do not appear to be Muslim. Uh, from what I can see, they're, they're white from the picture. That was your question, not mine. No, uh, to the emailer. And... uh they have the they release the identity of the dead burglar, so it does not look like this was a refugee or Muslim crime. But we'll be right back. We will give you the latest on this other side of the break. We have more news, and then Paul Williams joining us in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. By the way, I should clarify something. That Deerfield, Illinois town, the um, it, it passed this ordinance. It's it's a uh, let me get this correct here. It is a surrender and confiscation ordinance. But the Second Amendment Foundation is already filing a lawsuit against the Deerfield town. And if you think about this, it's almost as if this town or this this township wants to 
is inviting these kind of lawsuits to the point of, of just having to pay a lot of legal fees out. Um, but that said, the uh, Second Amendment Foundation, that suit is joined by the Illinois State Rifle Association. This according to, to Breitbart and uh, uh, another private citizen who lives in the village and is a gun owner. So this is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. But the bottom line here is, understand, they're coming for you. They're coming for you, your voice, your presence. Your, they're coming for you. They're coming for all of us. Think about this. We, we were t- mentioned. We mentioned this yesterday. How these city councils and, and cities and municipalities, states pass these unconstitutional laws. And, and forget about the, the racial aspect of this. And maybe this is a bad example. But what if our city tomorrow or our state made new laws? legalizing slavery we'll say based on economic lines or something do we have to wait for a supreme court ruling to say that's unconstitutional wait a to legalize slavery yeah uh, okay um, or anything anything that's illegal or unconstitutional imagine well, well look what california i mean we we could take that example and what california is doing for example harboring illegal aliens in some municipalities in the city of oakland the the mayor of oakland is right. is or urging the uh the criminal element there and it's to, to break the law. And you cannot tell me, if a person comes into this country illegally, what is that person? An illegal alien, period, right? Yep. I, I mean, let's not argue over semantics. That's what it is. That's what this person is. He or she, they are an illegal alien. So for the mayor of Oakland in this case to say, well, uh, don't cooperate with ICE or we are going to declare ourselves a sanctuary city, not enforce the laws. So use that as an example as opposed to, you know... Okay. You well, know, any, so, any unconstitutional... So, I mean, do we have to abide by those laws or new rules until the Supreme Court says otherwise? Because that's what it seems to me like they're doing with, with a lot of these um, uh, municipalities and, and towns that are trying to limit... Like what we saw in Florida in response right, to the right. uh, Parkland shooting in Austin said, you know, they basically made uh, criminals out of uh, tens of thousands of gun owners just overnight with the stroke of a pen. At what point do people have to follow unconstitutional laws, I guess is my question. And should and, and we, people comply? Greg Jackson, our, our guest and, of course, the author of uh, a number of books and co-author of a few, it said that, uh, you know, and I, I believe this, that laws that are antithetical to the Constitution are no laws. They're, they're not enforceable. They, they're, they're null. As, as a matter of fact, Dr. John Coleman in his books had, had said this with respect to the Second Amendment. Uh, you, so do we obey those laws? Uh, what would you do? And I guess this is a question for our viewers mm-hmm. and listeners. What would you do? If your village, township, municipality, city, county, whatever, if they pass an ordinance for you to surrender, um, same thing like Deerfield, Illinois, to surrender your, your high capacity magazine or your so-called assault rifle, I'm not sure of the definition of that either. Anything with over 10, uh, any magazine that can hold over 10 rounds, also any attachment. Would you do it? I mean, so my question is, would you surrender? Would you comply with that law? Me? No, I would not do that. I I don't care because... And so how how, they're going to enforce that? The enforcement would be a nightmare too. $1,000 a day. So if you have a weapon... Registered to you, we'll say an AR-15, since that's the example everybody wants to use as an sure. assault weapon. Big, ugly, big, bad. As soon bad. as that 
ordinance or law goes into effect, they're going to start what? Billing you a thousand dollars a day? Well, or the, gonna... the, the fine is anywhere between two hundred fifty and a thousand. And I was, I was attempting to find a copy of the ordinance on, online, and I, I know there is. I just didn't look that hard. But, but regardless of of what the classification of weapon or or, or magazine, um, the enforcement aspect of this will be a nightmare. And, and but 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 you have to also wonder too, the provocation factor. Uh, just think about this. What about if if no one at all complies with this law, if they if no one turns in a magazine or a a firearm that that qualifies under this ordinance, what are the, what's the township, the village, what are they going to do? And, Take and, your house after the fines build up to a certain amount. Well, it, this is going to be held up in litigation forever, obviously. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know what you mentioned about the, the Supreme Court. But, but can you see the incrementalism here? Can you see when the students of Parkland, who are nothing more than the pawns of their parents, the socialist parents, who are just dreaming to be communists and have to, to force upon us the communist utopia, when they've admitted this themselves, you give us an inch, we'll take a mile. Uh, this is not about to, we're not going to we're not allowed to take your guns. Yeah, they are, but it's more than that. We're we're not only going to go after your right to bear arms. We're going to go after your right to your freedom of speech. It's it's a very integrated assault on our rights. To and to what end? Well, you you heard exactly to what end, and that's the subjugation of of a, a free population to a socialist communist agenda, and. Where did this start? Well, this started 100 years ago. Easy. But I would say that it got really a lot of uh, wind behind it. Take a look at John Brennan. You, during the break, you were mentioning something about John Brennan. Yeah. And, and I think I think if people understood, for example, the, the, um, uh, the role of the intelligence agencies, all 17 of them, that includes the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, Clapper, previous, the NSA, the FBI, the DOJ, take all of those, take the heads of all of those, excepting perhaps Mike Rogers, who I believe did some real good stuff um, uh, following the the uh, election of Donald Trump. But take a look at all of the heads, including and especially John Brennan, and, and, and look at how he insinuated himself into the Obama campaign, or actually was invited in as head of the Analysis Corporation back in 2008, the CEO, and of course you had the passport records breach back then, the break-in by uh, an employee of the Analysis Corporation and another corporation working in tandem with the Analysis Corporation. And, and then Brennan, as, as Obama's national security advisor during the campaign, elevated a CIA director. And of course Brennan, as this, the head of the CIA, how did he get to that position considering that he voted for Gus Hall, a communist back in the 19, I think it was 1976, perhaps the 1980, or maybe both elections for president, voted for a communist. And, and at some point, arguably, based on FBI direct, uh, FBI, uh, or, or I shouldn't say direct information, uh, provided by at least one FBI agent, the, the, the man converted to Islam while a station chief, station chief, and or a, a working in a diplomatic capacity in Saudi Arabia, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. So you've got Obama in the White House, a cutout of the CIA. You have Brennan, or yeah, a cutout of the CIA. Brennan, who's heading up the CIA at one point. You have Comey, 
Mueller and then Comey, and forget about who nominated who. It really doesn't matter because it's not it's not the Democrat Republican issue. It's 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 a uniparty system. So you've got all of these deep state operatives, including Brennan, and now it's coming out where there's an investigation about Brennan with respect to um, the leaks that have taken place, especially that affect national security. You had Brennan that lied to Congress, you especially Clapper, James Clapper, that lied to both the House and Senate with respect to the uh, spying on American citizens, which is a subset of uh, subset agenda of, of the socialist activities that we that we witnessed for the last eight years. I, I would argue the last ten years, uh, including the last couple of George W. Bush. So all of this now is coming together. So this is why we're seeing 39 days post Parkland a well coordinated push toward taking everyone's guns. The town hall march or the town hall uh, events that are taking place as well as the the march for our lives this is all an outgrowth of that eight ten years of socialist conditioning and training and, and facilitation of the uh, the people behind uh, these movements and uh, the latest on on the uh, David Hogg and his sister they have been uh, online and apparently David Hogg started a petition to force Congress and the president to carry clear briefcases, apparently in reaction to them having to wear clear backpacks at school. And his sister has been online on Twitter uh, going on and on about, uh, you know, having to deal with armed security guards and wearing clear backpacks in school. So the same people who are, uh, you know, urging everybody else to change their behavior in the wake of that school shooting, are they themselves not willing uh, to live with some of the security measures that were increased well, uh, because it's not gee, what isn't they that, isn't that what they wanted. isn't that what they're they're, right, they're pushing right. that on this they're pushing but elements like that themselves. right well you, you're going to play by our I, I don't like that rule or I don't like you doing that to us but I'm going to do this to you it, it's an, it, it's just an amazing thing to watch and we're I think we're reaching a breaking point I I would really love to hear from people what you think do, do, do you think we're at that point of of, of breaking within of this country. I've, I've been asking a lot of people. I've been talking with a lot of people. What's have, have we reached that breaking point yet? And uh, do, do we? I mean, we need to talk about this because I really think that at some point, very soon, well, we're going to see. Is a great example. Of well, that. The YouTube shooting. The video you played off air right before the show is another. Yeah, yeah, and of course, the video I played off or just before the show was a man um, attending a speech of an event where Joe Biden was speaking and apparently there might have been a question and answer session there I don't know but at some point he got up and accused Joe Biden of being a child molester based on the videos that appeared on C-SPAN those are his words now of him being handsy with kids and, yeah inappropriate touching and and but he came right out and said you're a child molester right. it's all right. on YouTube right. and started screaming I mean it wasn't and this is the, the danger you, know, you talk about that breaking point it takes us out of uh, civil discourse and debate into this unknown of violence and uh, you know emotions that are unchecked and out of control based on facts or uh, the the somebody's perception of how those facts but, are. But the left does not want to have a debate. The left right. just wants to just have power over all of us. So I don't think we can play. We cannot play by the rules anymore. I don't think that we can hold a an intellectual debate any longer with, with the left. And at that point, then, what, what are, what's our, what's the alternative? The alternative is, is to defend our rights 
with force. That's defend. the end. Is the the defend. Well, defend, right. I mean, I'm not. No, I know. I'm yeah. clarifying. Defend our rights with force, with act, with action. Um, maybe that's a better term than force, with action. So when, when, when comply, you know, when uh, pushed for compliance, for example, uh, case in point, the, the, the village in Illinois. No, I'm not going to comply. What if no one complied? What if they, and I'm just throwing this out there, what, what if they, the government, um, just, what if there was a national gun confiscation surrender, uh, type law that was passed? Are you going to comply? And, 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 and if not, how are you not going to comply? Which, by the way, and I, when we look at this, um, this is why I'm, this is why people, uh, I believe this, I'm not too big on gun registration. I, I think gun registrations lead to gun confiscations. We're seeing it here. Imagine the village knowing that you own an AR-15 or knowing that you own a semi-automatic of any caliber or of any type and you've got, uh, you would obviously have a high capacity magazine or a magazine that would exceed their standards. So they've got a list. So they've got the upper hand. Now imagine that nationwide and the, the, uh, our government turns tyrannical. It's happened in the past where democracies, I'm using that intentionally as opposed to a constitutional republic, have gone rogue. Mm-hmm. So, so, and from that, 262 million deaths just in the 20th century. I, I was watching a, a video today of, uh, of Ben Shapiro with Piers Morgan. And Ben Shapiro just owned Piers Morgan. Uh, Shapiro had said, in fact, told, uh, uh, Piers Morgan that he was, his argument, I mean, immediate destabilization, by the way. He came out, Ben Shapiro came out of the gate saying that Piers Morgan was using the deaths of the Sandy Hook children, standing on the graves of the children from the Sandy Hook shooting to make his argument. And that immediately destabilized Piers Morgan. If you have a chance, I'll check it out. Oh man! And he's been Shapiro's been doing a lot of mainstream media. He did uh, this is this is a couple of years ago, or this is a year or two ago, a year maybe eighteen months ago. But but the the point I was trying to make here is that that one sentence. It was a twenty minute interview. That one sentence uh, destabilized, fully destabilized uh, Piers Morgan for the entire interview. But you talk about. Dishing out, dishing back to the, uh, to, to the person. It was, it was just a great interview. Go ahead, Joe. Well, you know, uh, one last thing on the, uh, what we're talking about. Have we reached a breaking point? Listen to this article. I didn't, I read the headline and, and a little bit into it and I said, oh, that's not really important. But after what we just talked about, mom of demand action, she's a leader of the demand action group, uh, charged with disorderly conduct after accosting teenage girls who were wearing a Make America Great Again t-shirt on Wednesday. A woman who has been the Texas chapter leader of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America was charged with disorderly conduct after accosting two teenage girls at a cookie store yelling profanities at them because they were wearing a Trump t-shirt. The Harris County Precinct 1 Constable's Office filed a Class C misdemeanor charge against West University Place Councilwoman Kelly Burke. The girls were wearing, or waiting at Tiny Milk and Cookies in Westview on Saturday. 
to purchase cookies for younger girls at the nearby church. One of them was wearing a Make America Great shirt again. And, when a blonde-haired woman, woman, this woman actually she, assaulted them? Yeah, the Texas chapter leader of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense uh, got in their face and said, grab them by the blank, girls. And she was they were with their father. And then she, they kept, she kept yelling at them, uh, pointing in the girl's face, getting in their face, wearing things like MAGA and um, and other profanities at these girls. Well, she was arrested and charged with disorderly conduct, a Class C misdemeanor. The local news went to interview the uh, the mother, this Burke, and she was uh, disorderly with the news, to say the least. But this is what we're talking about. Uh, are we seeing a destabilization of our society to the point where people are committing acts of violence for the reasons they don't even understand and, and that goes into something i believe that that uh russ Dizor talks about and yeah. i think that that is pretty pretty relevant here no one will touch this with a 10-foot pole but the spiritual element that, that we're seeing mm-hmm. I, i've been seeing more and more postings especially by the uh, social justice warrior types the progressive left saying that uh or condemning religion condemning spirituality saying there's no god uh, Even a belief in just, God is offensive to the people. Exactly. So when you look at look at the divide and you look at actions like that, there's got to be a spiritual, in my view, a spiritual component to what we're seeing. It, it's a it's a demonic element here. Yep. And and I know people from right wing watch, they like to make fun of people who point out that this could be a spirit, spiritual manifestation, a demonic manifestation within the people who are acting crazy. We can't talk about that, or you're just just plain stupid, crazy. Kind of like the uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the science of, of of two genders in biology, um, in saying that no, there's hundred and hundred plus different genders. Uh, that argument there going up against science, that's undeniable. Yet the progressive left will just take that and, and, and just go crazy with it so we talked about rick wiles and youtube yeah we did peter thank you for sending this email right wing watch followers want to execute rick wiles and this is a a very interesting article john mentioned this on the daily show right wing watch (laughs) followers on facebook and twitter have responded to true news youtube ban by encouraging the execution of rick wiles on wednesday's taping of true news host rick wiles revealed that online watch group had not condemned its followers on various social media platforms calling specifically for the death of rick wiles and also Christian believers in general. Even as confused leftist Nazim uh, Argdam decided to shoot up YouTube headquarters in San Bruno, California, True News host Rick Wiles was receiving threats of execution on Twitter. Responding to an initial tweet by a Twitter member, The Resistance, or at Social Power Number 1, after getting booted from YouTube, Rick Wiles warns that leftists will soon start executing Christians. This was a retweet of a headline from the website Right Wing Watch. Right. Several followers responded by calling for Rick Wiles' execution. One Twitter user in particular, Anne Yonan, made her feelings very clear. Sure, let's start by executing Rick Wiles. We aren't interested in executing anyone, but willing to make an exception in this case. Can he be first? Someone should execute him. These are all separate, all, all separate Twitter messages, right? Or, or comments on social media. If we can do it, start with him. Uh, right. On Right Wing Watch Twitter account, one response. Uh, of the responders to the proposed execution of Christians in the street. Let's just start with Rick. 
while will the leftist funded and entrusted right wing watch distance themselves from the use of its Twitter account in a call for violence that is on truenews.com and again Peter thank you for that email yeah and, and but this that's is acceptable okay. behavior that's fine but but don't you dare mention Jesus Christ in, in in the proper context in the honorable context don't you dare mention uh being pro life or or pro second amendment pro constitution pro Donald Trump and, and yet this is fine this talk is fine it's okay. We are, the Christian conservatives who are speaking out, who have a platform, whether it's us or Rick Wiles or, or whoever, this is not new to us. This, this is, we've been getting this for quite some time. Execute them, shoot them. Um, you know, the right, right wing watch in particular is, I, I find it very reprehensible and despicable how they, uh, uh, in my view, just a godless sewage kind of, uh, uh, website that really spews the, the venom of the, of the left, the godless left, and, and is allowed to get, is allowed to just facilitate such comments to, to harbor that, and even stoke the flames of, of, of that kind of behavior. Yet, don't, if you are evangelical, oh my goodness, evangelical is what they call us, the conservative Christians, evangelicals. They're crazy. They're loony to see what evangelicals do. They, you know, uh, and speaking of right wing watch and true news, just to move to another, uh, another platform, right wing watch had taken, uh, again, taken Alex Jones out of, somewhat out of context or, or at least, uh, exploited what he said about the headline on right wing watch is Alex Jones claims Democrats want to brutally murder and rape children in the Midwest. Yeah, just, you don't have to go to Right Wing Watch. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Uh, but when you listen to pretty much exactly what he said and in the context of the larger issue, you can, uh, uh, you can see where, where he's coming from. I, I, I don't think, but anyway, so the websites such as Right Wing Watch, such as the SPLC, such as e- even individuals who claim to be either jur- journalists, or um, Christians, even in some cases, L- look what they're saying. They're saying virtually the same thing against the, their their colleagues, the people who believe or suppose should be they should be believing the same as as the people who are speaking out. And you're seeing this div- division, this 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 division caused. Um, it, We've never been, I don't think we've ever been at this point before. No. No, I, I really don't. And I think something is going to give and something's going to snap and it's going to be pretty epic when it does. Yeah, hopefully, uh, you're wrong, but the way things, the way the attitude, the way the, uh, the way things are going in this country, it absolutely looks like it's, it's going to get a lot crazier before it gets any better. You mentioned John Brennan earlier. I want to make sure we cover that in this segment. Yes. Congressional investigators trying to get to the bottom of Brennan's role in Russia investigation. Now, why is this important? Uh, this is important because they believe they, meaning inside the Trump administration, that John Brennan, in his capacity as the director of the CIA, was one of the main leakers during the 2016 presidential campaign after even Harry Reid came out and said that Brennan was using him as a conduit to publicize possible links between Trump campaign associates and the Russian government. And they're also, they also go in this article on the Daily Caller, which is also up at Hagman Report uh, from this morning, to talk about some of the information that Brennan... Uh, had put out there and how it is related to information uh, he had access to 
and possibly leaking that information to people at the New York Times and other outlets. It's a pretty lengthy article, so go there and read it. But it led me to... Uh, to tell me again where that was. Where that it's was on Hagman Report. Yeah, it's okay, titled... But I'm sorry, where, where did The that original source is Daily Caller. Okay, so it came from the Daily Caller. Yeah, congressional yeah. investigators trying to get to the bottom of Brennan's role in Trump-Russia probe. All right, and, and, I, and, and I would also uh, add to that, show is people should should watch or at least inspect Brennan's actions and roles in the government actions between the election day and the date of inauguration. That time period is critical with respect to all of the agency heads, including and especially John Brennan. Go ahead. The uh, Trump-Russia investigation, too, has uh, Devin Nunez from the House Intelligence Committee is demanding that the FBI, Christopher Wray, and uh, Rod Rosenstein turn over the original documents that led to the investigation of uh, Donald Trump for Russian collusion. This is up on Hagman Report also. Nunez demands document that started Russia investigation threatens legal fight. And this is very interesting because we've seen them ask for a lot of documents. They actually have these documents, but they were so heavily redacted that they were unable to even uh, get a basic understanding of what's going on in the document. And Nunez, for whatever reason, is not threatening contempt of Congress, but is threatening to take this fight to a court of law Well, for that unredacted yeah. information. Uh, Conservative Treehouse has an article about this, and I would urge everyone to, to read that article. It's it's titled, It's Complicated, Chairman Devin Nunes' Demand Letter to FBI Director Ray Rosenstein. It's compl- it, it is complicated. There are some issues there that you, when you get deep into this, you can kind of understand, and Sundance does a great job. I often refer people to Conservative Treehouse, specifically Sundance's writings, and of course, uh, Dan Bongino from, uh, Dan, from Fox News and DanBongino.com, and, uh, Greg Jarrett and some others, but some good sources there. But what you said, let's look at Brennan. We've got to keep your eyes on Brennan and, uh, what's, what's going on there. That's kind of a, I don't know, I, I suspect a byproduct of, of the larger, issue with respect to the letter. Joe. And uh, we're going to be right back. There's a lot of stuff we didn't get to. Leaks coming out of the Trump administration, even during National Security Council meetings. This and more. But when we come back, Paul L. Williams will be our guest, and we got a lot to get into with him. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to this edition of the Hagman Report. Uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for, for joining us. The first hour, just kind of a, a, kind of a glazing over of some of the important headlines, and we do that because um, in, instead of drilling deep inside every one of these, each one of the headlines, speaking to a global audience, reflects this global push toward the socialization, the globalization or the globalist agenda, I suppose, and the blowback. So you've got, you've got this war that's, that's raging right now between the, if I had to break it down into the most simplest of terms, good versus evil. That's it. God versus Satan. And for me to talk like that, you might think, wow, you know, but, but that, that really at its, at its core, that's what it's all about. This is a spiritual battle manifesting in the physical. And we're seeing this push toward this uh, this total global subjugation, and we've seen all of the elements of this battle 
through the various headlines. You've got the left, the, the, the evil left who just want to take away your rights and just destroy, destroy the, uh, the nation, take away borders, language, and culture. That phrase attributed to Dr. Michael Savage. And of course, they want to take away all of that. And of course, on the, the good side, we want to preserve that. We want to preserve the integrity of our nation. We want to preserve the integrity of our culture, of our Judeo, Judeo-Christian heritage. Got it. Thank you. Um, we want to preserve, uh, the, uh, uh, the traditional biblical family. And we're fighting in that, in that vein. And of course, you've got the websites and social networking platforms working on behalf of, of the evil to tamp down anything that's good, anything that's that's normal, and uh, to elevate those the, the perversities of the abnormal. So that's what's kind of what's really taking place. And when you look at the the uh, scope of the headlines, really that's what it all boils boils down to. And uh, we are exposing the tactics of the evil left of the liberal fascists, the tactics, the players. And why do we do that? Just just to talk? No, to fight. Remember, Occupy 2018. Occupy is not a passive word. It is an action verb. We will occupy. And occupy means that we have to expose, educate, inform, and then act. Anyway, with us, Dr. Paul L. Williams. He, he dropped off, but uh, oh. while we're getting him back, he's got a new book that's coming out May 22nd of this year called The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America. And, and listen to... Uh, just the uh, snippet of this book pride greed and power have driven men to do the unthinkable including selling out their nations unsuspected citizens to the most corrupt and destructive invisible global leaders on earth but how did this happen on american soil how did the downfall begin and who were the predators and the land of the free and the home of the brave fell victim to and all that and all hope is lost this book captures and details of the last 200 years of American history that mainstream media does not want you to know. And it goes on from there. We have with us Paul L. Williams as our guest. Paul, we got you connected, but we don't have your video. So if you can uh, switch your video on, and we will be all set to go. We're just talking about your book that's coming out in May, The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America. Paul, welcome back to the show. All right. You must be still having problems. Well, uh, I know we, Dr. Williams, if you can hear us, uh, we're not getting any audio or video at the moment. So, um, I'm not sure what the issue is, but, you know, Dr. Williams, I met him uh, back in, I don't know, a couple of years. I think it was 2004, 05. And we've done a lot of work together. Um, there are a lot of, there's been a lot of interaction. He's a brilliant author and he's a brilliant man. He, um, best selling books, as I mentioned, The Day of Islam. Uh, the Al-Qaeda connection, uh, Osama's revenge of the next 9-11, um, the complete idiot, idiot's book, uh, guide to the, uh, crusades. So he is a, a, a prolific author and a, and a great, uh, really a great patriot, great investigative researcher as well. Dr. Williams, are you there? Do we have you? All right. We're gonna... I hear it. Wait a minute. I hear something. We hear something. audio. There we go. There we go. Whatever you did. He said no audio. No audio. Can you hear us, Paul? He no, audio. no audio. No audio. All right. Hang on. Our tech's working uh, Working on this for you. 
Well, what we can do, if we seem to be having a lot of problems with the Skype connection. If nothing else, we, we can get them on a, on a landline. Yeah. Maybe, we'll sw- maybe we'll switch to that and, and put his book up. Yeah, we can do that. Because all the, he was the only guest scheduled to be on video tonight. Yeah. And we have Keith Hansen coming up next hour and Dane Wigington following him. They're both audio. So maybe we can transition from the video format to audio only for the rest of the show. Yeah, since it and, would be yeah. and you're gonna, folks, you're going to want to listen to what Dr. Williams has got to say, especially on, on the the larger issue of the killing of Uncle Sam. All right, you're going to want to listen very carefully because he captures, he encompasses really the the bigger agenda that we've been talking about. And this is not about selling books. This is about educating people, and this is about uh, taking apart the agenda. Of the liberal fascist, liberal left, the lunatics on and the liberals. We got a lot of topics to get into tonight, from the National Guard to yeah. uh, gun control to veterans to the Pope, and everything in between. And while we're getting him back, I want to highlight this. I'm not sure how many people have seen this. Uh, there's a uh, a gun owner who has was at a city council meeting, and his video has gone viral. Oh, about the, guns. that black gentleman. Yeah, yeah, on Tuesday while speaking during a city council very meeting. Very well. Very well. Very articulate, I'm sorry. On curtailing gun violence, an African-American gun owner in North Carolina blasted government government officials who want to restrict the rights of law-abiding citizens. The city council meeting was held to determine whether the community should cancel an upcoming gun show, which is held twice yearly at the Coliseum, a city-owned building. And this is what he says, and you can. Uh, this is only the first few sentences of the video. When are you all going to start standing up for the majority? I am the majority. I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody. Uh, this is Mark Robinson who's saying this. It seems every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet, and it does not make any sense. You want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you are talking about in here tonight. The law-abiding citizens of this community and other communities were the first ones taxed and the last ones considered. The, the, uh, hang on just a second. Uh, Dr. Williams, can you hear us? Let me just get that established. All right, we're not we're not getting any audio back, so. Okay. You have to get that mic hooked up, uh, Eric. Yeah, Eric's got uh, a new mic. Yeah. That, uh... It's really a ret- retro mic. It's pretty cool. But, okay, Dr. Williams, uh, we're going to have an alternate contact with you. We'll just do this the old school way. Apparently there's some audio issues. We're getting no, we're, we're getting your audio, out. but but yeah, go ahead. We're all sitting here. It's you, me, and, and Eric, and Eric's really calm and cool, but I can hear inside of his head. It's like a I don't know how to describe it. It's like a a transformer uh, getting a surge of electricity and and exploding when you have these type of uh, of problems. And he's, he's you the might think guy that pressure. He you really might, is. You might think that uh, me or or my old man is the backbone of my this organization. What, what, what kind of is that, you see? What he's, kind of lack of respect here? Eric the Tech my is the man. true backbone of this organization. And when he starts to get frustrated, even without saying anything, you can you can feel it, and you can feel that frustration when the the audio isn't working right. Well, let me tell you something. He's the kind of guy that. You know, when he goes off, you just don't want to be anywhere near him when when he goes. Me, I'm like a constant crank all the time, and, and that's why I, I you know, it's, I've got, my relief valve is open all the time. All right, so, but him, it's it's you know, he's like one of these quiet guys that, oh boy, you know, you just never know. But he's actually he's developing uh, quite the following, Tech Eric, at Tech Eric, I think on Twitter, right? Isn't that it? At Tech Eric, at Real, Real Tech, Tech Eric. Eric. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> 
All right. right. So, so we have Dr. Williams by landline, and that's just as good. We can put up uh, a picture of his book coming out, The Killing Michael Sam, uh, which will be available, you said, in May, right? May. It will be. Okay. Hey, Dr. Doctor. Williams. Hey, buddy. Hey, so glad you're with us, man. So glad to have yeah, you. Yeah, I'm sorry about the, uh, about the mess up. Uh, no worries. Uh, it must, you know, uh, Pope Francis is wrong. There obviously is a hell because the uh, the devils at work in this uh, Skype connection that we have right here. <laughs> I got to tell you, um, there are times when everything seems to be set right, but none. There's no sound or there's no video or combination of both, and you you got the uh, uh, the daily double there. So, but we're so glad to have you. And I was just t- telling our audience about uh, about our friendship, and, and you're a great friend of the program, great friend of mine, and just a tremendous author, a tremendous investigative researcher. You've done such great work, so many exposés. I could sing your let's, praises all day long, and I thank you. For let's on let's this. go. Uh, let me go to Killing Uncle Sam and yep. the tie-in with Hagman and Hagman. All right. Uh, but w- long, long time ago, I saw this uh, Northeast Intelligence uh, report, and it was about a place called Islamburg in New York State. I couldn't believe it because the place was about forty-five to minutes to an hour away from my house in Hancock, New York, and it was, it was, the, the, the investigation was written by a guy by the name of Doug Hagman, and there were photographs of it. There were even photographs of the fact that, that the Muslims who were living at Islamburg had used, uh, school buses, uh, as for their, and their firing ranges. And I read about the obstacle courses there, and I, I just couldn't believe it. I, I figured this has to be fantasy. So <clears throat> I went up to Islamburg, which, as you well know, is between Hancock and Deposit, New York. Went up Roods Creek Road, and uh, lo and behold, I, I went up to the sentry post that, that you had written about, and there was a guy there with an AK-47. And I was there with my cousin. I, I, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe this is the United States of America. They said, you're not allowed in here, da 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 well, what I did uh, is I, I, I followed your followed the advice in that article, and I went to the eastern perimeter of the property. I trespassed. There were all types of no trespassing signs there, and I saw everything that you had uh, you had written about. And I, I, Doug, I got blown. This is what, like this is a, a moment in my life that changed everything. Uh, I, I, I saw the I saw things there that even had escaped your attention like underground bunkers, massive underground bunkers. I saw where they were storing the, 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 uh, uh, their, their weapons and everything else that you described, I, the, the obstacle courses, the firing ranges, the houses there, the, the trailers that were all run down, and the hundreds and hundreds of people who were living there. Most of the women at that time, when I was following the, uh, the initial report from uh, Doug Hagman, most of the women there were African Americans, and they were they were dressed in burqas. Everybody was dressed in Islamic gear, and uh, most, like I said, most of the women were uh, were African Americans from Brooklyn. And most of the inhabitants of Islamburg, after I talked to them, I told them, Doug, I told them that I had come there to write a puff piece about religions in America, and that I would have been remiss. Uh, in in my in my writing, if I did not include Islamburg, so that warmed them up a little bit. But I found out that the men were from uh, Greenhaven Prison, by and large, they were felons, and yet they had weapons. And I I I I, I did 
Well, you did. I, I called up the FBI. I had worked for the FBI uh, for years, for years and years and years. Uh, <clears throat> so I called up my contacts at the FBI, and uh, nothing happened. They said, oh, this is brilliant, but nothing happened. They never went up there to investigate. Then I, con- I contacted the Pennsylvania State Police, police because they were setting up another settlement uh, right across the border in, in Pennsylvania. So uh, I called the Pennsylvania State Police, and they investigated. And I said, yeah, that's right. But nothing was done about this new settlement that was blossoming in Pennsylvania. And I called up the New York State Police, and nothing was done about Islamburg. So I figured, man, this is this is really, really, really weird. And then I, I, I found out about the Muslims of the America, that they had their headquarters in New York. I went to New York. This is all because of Doug Hagman, but, uh, totally because of Doug Hagman, and that one report that I read. I went to New York for the Muslims of America, and I ended up in Brooklyn to the Yassin Mosque, where a guy by the name of Sheikh Mubarak Jalani had been the imam for years. And I, I went there, and I, I found out that he had worked with the street gang called Dar al-Islam, and that this members of the street gang ended up, a lot of them ended up in Greenhaven, and that the Sheikh was instrumental in establishing a mosque in the Greenhaven uh, state penitentiary. And uh, so I, I talked to more people, and I found more, and everybody, Doug, that I talked to in Brooklyn, I spent a couple days there, and everyone I talked to there said that, oh, uh, Jelani is CIA. And, you know, it didn't make any sense at all. Uh, I figured, why would the CIA set set up these paramilitary compounds throughout, not only in Islamburg, but then I found out they were throughout the United States. So I went back up there, and I I, I did some more research, and uh, uh, I found out that when, when the inhabitants of Islamburg completed their basic training, at that paramilitary compound, they were sent to Pakistan, where uh, Jelani still had his headquarters. And in uh, Pakistan, in Lahore, he was. And they went from Pakistan into Afghanistan to join the Taliban, to join in the fight against the U.S. troops. I feel, wait a second. Here we got paramilitary compounds, Islamic, throughout the United States, where people are being trained for the jihad, they're being shipped over to Pakistan, and they're work. And they're fighting with the Taliban and killing our troops. It, it, it I, I can't tell you. I was, I so I, I did everything that, that a journalist uh, should do, and that's how I was trained all my life. I'm not a, a personality. I prefer to just talk to friends like you, but I, I hate to to appear on 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 the news. I hate to appear on. Uh, on television, or and I, I've done, I've done, it, I hate it. But in any case, <clears throat> I prefer to remain in the shadows. But in any case, I did my homework again and went down to Washington D.C. and I did some, did as much research as I could on Jelani. I found out that he had, he came here. Now get this, Doug. This is digging and digging and digging. And man, I dug, digging and digging and digging. I found out that he came here with Blind Shake Rockman from Cairo, Egypt. He was transported here in 1979 at the start of the Holy War uh, in Afghanistan against the Soviets. He was brought here uh, on a CIA transport, and he landed in the Andrews Air Force Base, and he stayed there. He He stayed there for several days, 
until they transported him to Brooklyn. I'm thinking, man, this is this is just like if even when I'm talking to people about this, it, it was it stretched every limit of credulity. And the more and more and more I dug into it, I realized that there, there's a lot at work behind the scenes that nobody's aware of. Nobody's aware of. Nobody's aware that the that 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 the uh, that the CIA not only had planted these these military compounds throughout the country, but also cells of Al Qaeda, and also that the CIA had provides and continues to provide millions and millions of dollars a year to the most radical mosque in the country. And once again, you know. <laughs> I realize that there was something... uh, Dr. Williams, uh, during your time at the, your investigation at the mosque, if I remember this correctly, you were actually held... Oh, Doug, that's another story. This is all, this is all your fault. I I, I know, uh, I know. Let let me just interject one thing here. Just, you, you were at Islamburg. Um, I I was there over the course of six months, uh, many many times. Wait a second, let's, let's clear, clear the air. You, Are in everybody on the internet, Christian Action Network, Marty Maher, Ryan, whatever his name is, can say, "Oh, well, we found about Islam. Yeah. This is our report. We're raising money. We're doing a doc." No, it, the, the, the Islamberg was undiscovered by Doug Hagman. Well, and so, well the, I, the I appreciate fact that, that anyone that's... in this country talks about Jamal Al Fukra and talks about Jelani, and it was on any, on Fox News, on Major, every, on Alex Jones, it, no, no, no. that, I, I, I still have a fatwa against me. Doug I still Hagen's have a fatwa against me. Yeah, uh, Jelani published that fatwa on his website. It's still there in the archives. Against you. Against, against me. You. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I, I, I just got to tell you something funny. I, I, the, the final um, the, the thrust of my surveillance on, in, in Islamburg, and you'll get a kick out of this, given your your story about uh, being held. Uh, I was I was there with a, with my partner at the time. His name is Chuck. He's now deceased. He was carrying a thermos. We had a thermos. We were doing surveillance, and he was getting about dusk, and he dropped his thermos, which it, I don't know if the thing was made of lead or what, but it made this 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 huge sound. And uh, the next thing we know, we're being escorted. Uh, off of the property, you know where that school bus is, up that oh, road. Oh, I know where everything is there. Yeah, yeah. sure. In fact, uh, two guys. Um, the, uh, one guy had a, a 45 pointed at, at Chuck, and I was being yeah. escorted with a, with, a, with an AK-47 in my back up to the top of the road. I never said this before. I never wanted to admit this because, well, anyway. Uh, and when I did uh have a conversation with the chief of police there or I think it was it wasn't the chief I'm sorry it was like a deputy chief the guy said well you were on private property they could do whatever they want um so you know but but so I, I can sympathize with you and, and folks Dr. Paul L. Williams is our guest the killing of Uncle Sam the demise of the United States of America leading into into his book and all of this information but listen carefully to what he's saying so I didn't mean to interrupt but I want to share that story with you because I know uh, you I, could, listen the same thing happened I was there with uh, a photographer by the name of Pat Walsh from Wilmington, Delaware. Pat is uh, is great. He's a great friend of mine. He's a great. He's uh, a great uh, photojournalist. We were there with with cameras, and we were in the. Well, you know how how heavily uh, forested it is, or wooded. There's a it, there's a reservoir, of course, on the top of the mountain that that services all of New York City. But be that as it may. Uh, we had a group, uh, and they were, they were they were marching, and they they had weapons. And one guy spotted us in the woods, 
And they said, there they are. And I had followed through, and I had written, as you know, several articles on this Lemberg. And uh, I ran, look, at I, I, I run every day. I, I try to, but this guy is 300 pounds, smoked. He, he was in the worst shape of anyone I've ever been with in my life. Doug, we ran up that mountain, and he was he was a half a mile ahead of me. I was going to say, Doctor Wells, all you do is outrun him. We got in that car, and I, they were banging on the car. And we made it down the road. Oh man, that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous spot. I know, but uh, yeah, I know. Uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. we were in the same guy, Patrick Walsh, and I were in. A, in uh, uh, during surveillance of a mosque in New York, Majid al-Taqwa, which is where uh, Siraj Wahaj is the imam. And we were there, and we were taking some photographs, and we were collared. We were taken into the basement of the mosque, where there, there were these uh, Muslim ninjas who said, we're not going to let you out of here until you tell us what you're doing here. And once again, I, I, it was it was a terrible situation. This one guy, I mean, he, they, they all had henna beards, and they were it, it was just a terrifying situation. I thought it was the end. I used the same story that I was. A, I, we're doing the stories of uh, religions in America, and I'd be remiss if I had uh, overlooked Siraj Wahaj, and that that got me out of that situation. But but in any case, all of these things, beginning with with my. Uh, uh, the, the article that I read online uh, by Doug Hagman uh, led me to realize that there is a, a government at work that's far in excess of a deep state. I mean, there are a group of people that manipulate everything, and they're not going to go away. And uh, I went down to, uh, I, I, I got really depressed because I, I was talking about, oh, the Muslim threat. And it, without realizing that the Mujahideen had been created by the CIA, that uh, Osama bin Laden was a CIA agent, that Zawahiri had traveled throughout the United States as a guest of the CIA, that Blind Sheikh Rockman had been brought here on CIA train. I d- didn't know that. But when I realized that, I, I was devastated. I was really devastated. And I, I went to a, uh, a, a meeting, a, a patriotic gathering, in Washington, D.C. in 2005, 2015, excuse me. And the speaker there was a guy by the name of uh, Rodney Howard Brown from South Africa. He was, he was a great speaker, a magnetic speaker. And after it, I started talking to him about these things. And he started to clue me in. He said, all this stuff that you're talking about, this, this organization that controls the whole world, was set up in 1879 by a guy by the name of Cecil John Rhodes. And he talked about how the bankers are controlling the CIA, how the bankers are controlling all the events that take place right now. And I, I started uh, sitting at his, uh, at, I, 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 sitting sitting down at, 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 to listen to him. And uh, I, I learned a great deal, and I did uh, a, a whole lot of uh, additional homework. And as a result of that, working with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown for the last oh, two and a half years, we wrote this book, Killing Uncle Sam, which I think is uh, I, 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 it, all the proceeds go to the to the River School of Government. To to uh, every, every dime goes to a nonprofit school, a real school where people are going to be taught about the deep state and taught about the CIA and taught taught about the Federal Reserve and taught about everything that Doug Hagman talks about. Well, that that was that that brought me to to this book, and it's it's going to be released on May. Tw- Twenty uh, second, people can hear can find out about it by going to uh, killinguncle dot com, and I hope 
everyone will pre-order a copy. All the proceeds go to the River School of Government, so the people will be brought up to serve in government positions, uh, people who know what is going on behind the scenes, people who can go into government and make a difference, people who are going to go into uh, into this federal bureaucracy with sledgehammers. That's that's what all the funding will go to the River School of Government, and I think that everyone that listens to this program, I hope that they they can pre-order the book now. I'll tell you why. Because if they pre-order the book, the book can get uh, good placement in bookstores throughout the country. If they go to Amazon.com, uh, order Killing Uncle Sam, or they go to BarnesandNoble.com and order Killing Uncle Sam, that the advance sale will permit us to get uh, choice spots within the bookstores. Because unless, without that, without uh, the advance sales and people supporting this, I think it's pretty much all over. You know, first of all, you're very generous with the, with the uh, proceeds of this book. But the information contained in this book, with again, Doctor Williams as the as the author and the researcher, the man behind this book, uh, primarily, hey, folks, you need to know this information. It's very, very, very important information, and it really gives you a great overview of uh, the problem and ultimately the solutions and and you know the actually using the proceeds to fund the the should I say the education I suppose it's a, it's a school of government it's, right. it's part of the river school of government in Tampa Florida and it's okay. run by the uh, Revival Ministries International it's a, it's a Christian organization a real Christian organization and every dime will go to to where so that these so the people interested in these subjects interested in making a real difference can go to school for free man I'll tell you what that's that's generous that's uh, a worthy cause as well so get educated get informed and, and by uh, by doing so you can also help uh, educate others uh, what, what a great what, what a great thing well okay and you can so also, you can and, and once again by 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 helping something like this the school of government you're really helping Hagman and Hagman because you that's your legacy I mean you're Doug, you're part of this whole thing. Like I said, I would have never written this book without you. Wow. Oh, I mean, that, that opened my eyes to everything. The scales fell from my eyes, man. I, I could see for the first time. And, the, 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 it, and I, I think really that the, the, your process of discovery, and I've been following you through the years, uh, is really mine. I mean, we found out more and more of what was really taking place behind the scenes, that it wasn't what we thought it was. And that was, uh, you know, for me, that was uh, crushing. But I know that you went through the same thing and made the same discovery. I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a, it's a red pill effect, uh, yes. to be sure. You know, and and to find out that that our government had facilitated, organized, uh, that's a very sobering moment. You know, when when you do find out the the depth of of uh, the I don't want to say corruption, but the criminality, I suppose. You know, you know one thing that that, the pastor that I learned from Pastor Rodney is there are not a lot of places. This is not a you know people. I know I like Jerry Corsi a lot. This is not like this is not a deep state. This is money. It's all about money. You see, by by, what during the, uh, the the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, 
we we became involved in that because of the not the natural resources within Afghanistan, including the heroin, which always funded the CIA covert operations. But in, in also by supporting radical Islam, it has permitted us to uh, to 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 impose a strategy of terror throughout the Middle East, especially at the basin of the Caspian Sea, so that we could seize all these. But it's not the American people seizing it's it's a, it's people like the like the Rockefellers. I mean, the House of Rockefeller. You don't need to you don't need to look into a deep state. You just need to look at them. It's a money cartel going to the Morgans and the the the, the Rothschilds and especially the Rockefellers. They manipulate everything. The the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the World Bank, the World Trade Center, the International Monetary. It's all these. these but it, this this is something that anyone can document, and it's all in this one book. And uh, uh, I'm going to tell you, it, 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 anybody that reads this, yeah. It, they're gonna. They, they're gonna have a. They're gonna be wide awake. They will. Eight, this, right. this will knock them for a loop, because well, it once again it's a group of people, and you can even get. I don't know how you can eradicate them. Well, what's taking place in Syria right now? What's taking place in Turkey? It's all at their instigation. That's Gladio exactly right. is all at their instigation. That's it. Gladio was completely instigated by a money cartel. If you don't mind, Dr. Williams, uh, can we just take a kind of a side journey? Operation Gladio. Just kind of give us a thumbnail sketch because many people are, have, have asked me about that book and, uh, for me to explain it would, 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 uh, in this, in this case would not be, well, since you're on the, since you're on the line here, uh, to tell people about the book Operation Gladio because that's a fantastic, oh my goodness, oh, that's yeah, what that's required reading. <clears throat> that's a, I'm going to say that's your magnum opus, but every time I say that, probably, you come well, up with that's a new what one. Me, that's what brought me. That's what that's what brought me to uh, to Rodney Howard Brown because Pastor Pastor Rodney had read the book, and you know he he had a lot of questions for me about Gladio, and you know we had a meeting of the minds. Uh, but yeah, Gladio is being made into a series now for AMC. Uh, I, I, I'm just throwing that up because people within a year or so they're going to be able to watch it. And uh, what, what Gladio was, it, it, this is very interesting. At the end of World War II, uh, uh, when the CIA was be, was being formed, uh, people like Alan Dulles and Bill Donovan, who were officers within the uh, within the Office of Strategic Services (OSS). Uh, realized that the importance of having stay behind units throughout Europe to ward off a communist invasion. They thought that the, uh, that, 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 that communist Russia, USSR, was going to spread its tentacles not only as they did throughout Eastern Europe, but also throughout Western Europe. So the, the, the uh, Donovan and Dulles and these OSS people started, uh, working with the Nazis and working with the uh, fascist in, in in Italy to set to set up stay behind units so that if the Soviets did invade Italy, they could be uh, driven back by these stay behind units. If the if the if the Soviets decided to to invade West Western Germany, they could be driven back by these stay behind units. And there were thousands of these units. And they, they were established in 1945, 1946, and it was a very, very, very expensive undertaking. Originally, this undertaking, uh, the money came from the from the Rockefellers and from the Morgans, but they, they had to come up with a, uh, a, a new way of 
of, of funding this operation, which became known as Operation Gladio, the Stay Behind units. Gladio means a short sir, sword that the Roman gladiators used to use in the arena to kill their opponent. Well, they, when the CIA was formed, they, they had to pay for Gladio. This was a number one undertaking. And there were Gladio units not only in Italy and in Germany, there were Gladio units in France, in Norway, in Turkey, in Sweden, uh, in Finland, in, in Britain. There were Gladio units throughout Western, Western uh, Europe. And once again, all these units had to be trained, they had to be provided with munitions, uh, they, they had to be uh, cared for. And they had they had to be trained, and it was costing millions and millions and millions of dollars. Well, one OSS officer, and I, I'm not going to belabor this. I'll make make this very short. Realized that who was stationed in China, working with Chiang Kai Shek, realized that Chiang Kai Shek financed his entire army, national army, to fight Mao Zedong by selling heroin. So. Paulie Hellwell, who was this OSS officer in China, started established something called Cargo Air Transplant, where he was sending the Flying Tigers, you know, LMS, the Flying Tigers, who were sending his planes, flu planes, into the into Burma and Laos, loading the planes up with opiates and flying planes back to China and giving them to Chiang Kai-shek so that he could sell them to raise money for his army. So when 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 uh, Donovan in in Dulles and these uh, new the, the, these new officers of the CIA were desperate for funding, uh, Hellebaugh said, "I know how we could make all the money you need. We can we can sell we can bring in heroin because the, you know I know how to bring it in from from North, Southwest Southeast Asia. We can bring them in. Uh, we can bring the heroin into the United States with the help of the." Uh, with the Italian Mafia, Lucky Luciano and company, who were already working with the OSS. We can bring the heroin into the United States, and we'll sell the heroin at jazz clubs. We'll sell them to blacks within the black community, because blacks are already have, have, a, have a love of marijuana, and since they're dumb enough to smoke marijuana, they're going to get hooked on, on heroin, and that's going to be a great, great source of funding for, for uh, the new agency for the CIA. In 1947, that operation got underway, bringing heroin in, into the United States through Santos Traficante uh, with Lucky Luciano. The, the heroin came in in uh, in crates that, uh, from a United from a, a fruit company in Sicily, and the, fr- the the fruit was oranges, but the oranges were wax, and if you cut open the oranges, they were filled with heroin. And the heroin was sold at the jazz clubs. All these jazzmen's. By the way, Doug, before that time, in in, in 1947, there were less than 20,000 heroin users in the United States. Overnight, all these great jazz musicians, all the great, all these great jazz musicians became hopeless addicts, and it spread like like wildfire through the black community, all at the instigation of the CIA, who kept believing that it would never really spread to the suburbs. And throughout the 1950s, all the covert operations, Gladio in particular, were funded by heroin. And it, it got to be such a, a major source for the CIA that uh, in, in, in the 1960s, when you had Ho Chi Minh threatening to disrupt 
the the heroin trade in 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 Southeast Asia. You had the Vietnam conflict, and it, it was all about drugs. It was all about drugs. Our involvement in Afghanistan. It's all about drugs. What's taking place right now with the with the uh, cartels in 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 Mexico is all about drugs. And these drug fields, these poppy fields, have been planted, cultivated, and harvested by the CIA. I mean, there, there, there's no doubt about that. Listen, anyone that does any research into that will realize that for for years and years and years during the Vietnam era, for instance. The body bags filled with dead GIs who were killed in action in Vietnam. Their bodies were eviscerated. They were stuffed with heroin, sewn back up, and, and shipped to the Andrews Air Force Base and other military installations throughout the country. I mean, the New York Times wrote about this. I mean, this is nothing. This is nothing that should be a shock to anyone. But it's still going on. It's still going on. That's why. Look, with Homeland Security. With uh, with the heightened alerts, you can you still can't stop the smack from coming in. It, 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 and it, they're coming in the seven forty sevens. The drugs have been coming in not only from from Afghanistan; they've been transported on on U.S. military transports to Brussels, where the UN uh, is uh, is headquartered, and from Brussels to. Once again, Andrews and military installations throughout the country. And from there, they're distributed by to, to, to places like Chicago and Patterson and uh, Baltimore. Look at all, all this is going on. It's been researched. It's been documented. It's, it's been brought to light. This is not conspiracy. It's true. The heroin, heroin epidemic it, it was, was brought on to fund Operation Gladio. And Gladio is still going on. I, I could, I could, you could, t- anyone could take your book, uh, Operation Gladio, and take it into a court of law, or take it to a, a district attorney, or assistant, right. you, you know, a U.S. attorney, and it's a ready-made case against the United States government. It really is. Uh, well, you know, Doug, but regarding regarding lawsuits, and I, I know that you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're red hot on them yourself, but you know, you know, when I went up to Canada with you. Uh, I wrote about Master University, and I got sued. I mean, I got sued for millions and millions of dollars. And my publisher, Joseph Farah, uh, dropped me like a hot potato. All my publishers did. I had to fight that myself, and I was right. And at the end of the day, I prevailed. Of course, at the end of the day, I was broke because of, of, of uh, you know, the cost of the Canadian lawyers. But I, look, at what I wrote there, what I wrote years ago, I was taken to, I, my, my feet were brought to the fire, and guess what? I was right, and and, and in, in Operation Gladio, and all of these books, there are thousands and thousands of footnotes, and all to reputable sources. And so, Gladio, once again, what Gladio evolved into was was, was a means by which the money cartel could take uh, control of various governments, and they did that in in Italy. They took they took control of the Italian government through the Christian Democratic Party. Uh, in 1947, the communists were set to take over the country. What the CIA did was, uh, through Gladio, the Gladio units, uh, started to, uh, kill off the communists. They started to, uh, terrorize the, uh, the, the communist gatherings. They prevent people from going to the polls. And they, they, and with over, over 70 million dollars at that time, 1947, in black funds, all coming from heroin, support the Christian 
And the Christian Democrat Democratic Party is a party of the Catholic Church. And the money, of course, the drug money, had to be washed and laundered, and that brought in the Vatican. And that's still going on. Paul, speaking of the Vatican, what do you think about the Pope's latest comments and the latest controversy coming out of the Vatican? The Pope saying that there's no hell, the Vatican coming out, denying he ever said it. What's going on? Well, with it was Catholic such a Church? weak denial, though. It wasn't really a denial. It was a non-denial denial. Uh, <clears throat> uh, what is it, somebody, what, what is it, Francis, uh, who uh, it must be related to the talking mule? Why doesn't Francis just come out and, and let his position known? We know right. that this about Francis. He, he is in, in Vatican City right now. There is a gay lobby where, where 60% of the members of the Curia by, according to David Yallop, the leading Vatican investigator, are practicing homosexuals. So when, 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 when Francis was originally asked about homosexuality, what did he say? Oh, I, I, who am I to judge? Well, guess what? You are the person who are supposed to be judging. And not your judgment. You're the person who is supposed to be standing up for things that God already judged. God already judged homosexuality. It's in the scriptures. But this... It, it's one thing after another. How about he, he, he was in favor of, of granting communion to everybody, uh, the Eucharist. It, there was once upon a time you couldn't touch that unless your, 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 your fingers had been uh, consecrated to, to touch the, 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 the host. Remember uh, the high masses or the Latin masses? Paul, oh, I absolutely. I was, a, I was an altar boy singing the Me choir. Too. Sure. Me too. Yep. My, yep. my name is Williams. But I was I was I was, a, I was the editor for the Fellowship of Catholic Scholars, taught taught Catholicism in Catholic schools. Sure, I remember all that, Doug. It's rival at Atari Day. Yeah, yeah. Bonnie you and I are a couple yeah. old guys. Yeah, we're 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 getting we're we're a couple old old, <laughs> old right. dudes here. But but, but no, you I, remember it, the whole thing. You could not oh, go yeah. to communion without going to confession, well, and you could eat, not go yeah. uh, receive communion unless you were in a state of grace. That's right. By receiving the sacrament of penance. All that's done away with by Francis. Francis said that every form of religious expression, Islam, Hinduism, they're all equally efficacious. I mean, this guy has, this guy is a worse Catholic, of, that he could be, he's a worse Catholic than uh, Martin Luther. Infinitely worse. And this guy, I think, single-handedly is going to, uh, uh, destroy what's left of the church. Yeah, especially with the the social uh, justice warrior uh, mentality that he's bringing to the church and doing any. And, I mean, he sounds like CNN with with his uh, talking points. And, and not only that, but it's all phony. When he was the uh, the Jesuit uh, uh, superior the, the, uh, of uh, in Buenos Aires uh, of the Jesuit order, uh, it, that this is during the. Uh, during the Dirty War. He sided with General Vidala in, in Buenos Aires, and he supported that government. That those were, were hundreds of thousands of people were killed. Supported the, the, the military junta, uh, uh, hook, line, and sinker. He turned over priests to the junta, priests who disagreed with the, uh, with the, with the, with the way that they were imposing uh, uh, political uh, repression on, on the people. He turned over his own priest. He turned over uh, uh, members of the Jesuit uh, parishes 
in Buenos Aires to the Junta. These people were placed in planes. They were flown over the, the ocean, and they were thrown off. Uh, he has been uh, charged with acts uh, against humanity in Buenos Aires. This guy is not who people think he is. He's not. There's nothing about him that's real. Yeah, and what you talk about is history in uh, South America, and uh, that is never really talked about, and there is a long, extensive history, and what you just mentioned is just one example of that history that nobody wants to get into. Uh, Paul, we only got about 10 minutes left, so I want to make sure we hit some of these topics. And again, Paul's book is going to be available May 22nd of this year, The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America. What do you think about the... Uh, the, by the way, please, 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 everyone, if you really want an education, 500 pages, or 496 pages, please get your hands on this book. I, I, I It's one of the most uh, important books, really, of our time, The Killing of Uncle Sam, The Demise of the United States of America. It's up there on the screen. Please pre-order it. Go ahead, the only way we see this happening is through uh, illegal immigration. Paul, what do you think about the President's proclamation to send National Guard troops down to the southern border to assist the Border Patrol, although they, they won't be armed, they're going to be assisting them. And how does this play into the deep state's uh, destruction of America? Well, you know what, well, part of it is you're doing things, you're sending down tigers without teeth. That, now, that doesn't make any sense. You know, this same, people should, people don't remember history. Look at what Eisenhower did during the 1950s. He imposed something called Operation Wetback. And when he sent the uh, the troops to the border, they had machine guns. Well, what's the matter with that? I mean, if, if these people are, you know, uh, are, are trying, uh, and a lot of them are, uh, they will not uh, obey, uh, stand down, and 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 that they insist upon crossing the border for it. They should at least have the right to belt them, yeah. if not to shoot them. I mean, yeah, I, I, I you know, I can't I can't understand the blatant. Uh, disregard for our law, for uh, our, our, our our immigration policies. I mean, come on! I think everybody had it with them. I think everybody would like to see. If truth be told, they would like to see the uh, not only the National Guard go down there, but the National Guard going down there with arms. I agree, and I think that that's by definition or by by mandate. Isn't that what the National Guard is yeah, supposed to do? Yeah, just standing there. I mean, they can't do anything. According to the policy that, that, that I just read about today, they can't even do anything to stop them from coming in. They're just standing there. Standing there with, uh, you know, if there were any border guards around there, yeah, they can have the border guards, you know, apprehend them, but they can't even apprehend them. Man, that's That's just, not going to do much. No, no, you're exactly right. Um, do you know offhand, and this is a question I've been, I've been trying to find out, or I've been trying to find the answer to this question. When Obama sent the National Guard down there, 1200 strong back in 2010, yeah. were they armed? Do you know, I, I, I was trying to find the answer to that question. I, I haven't I don't found think so. Okay. I, you know what, Doug, believe it or not, I believe they were. I remember okay. it very distinctly. Cause I, I believe they were. Okay. I mean, I, I know they had. I know they. I, I know the weapons that I saw on, on when they were on the tube, when they were on the TV, when they were on national news. They had rifles. Okay. Well. Okay. Good. At least. At least that gives me some some uh, basis for further investigation. And yeah. And today now they're just they're just what are they going to do? Uh, you know, uh, daisy chain or, or lock arms and sing. They can't. It, it just say you get you and I were two uh, people coming up from. Uh, El 
Salvador, we're MS-13, and they, 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 we, we, we walk up to the people, the, the National Guard at the border. They can't do anything to us. They can't stop us. They can't push us back. Man. Wow. They can't, just... they, they can't have a show of force. They can't arrest us. Well, I mean, come on. What, what, that's... That, that, that's, it's another silly policy. Yeah, it is. But I think it... the American people, I think, well, look, at, uh, it, it is so far gone. And the money cartel is so powerful. They want that. You know, it began, it, it goes all the way back to 1965 with the Lyndon Johnson and the Immigration Act of 1965, uh, oh, yeah. doing away with borders, having, uh, you know, opening America to the third world. I mean, that, that, that's a process that the international bankers love. They, yeah. they want universal socialism because in, when that comes to being, we have to pay for every everybody's tax to the gills, and uh, the, the the government uh, we pay the government. The government takes care of us, and they control the government. There it is. You're one hundred percent accurate, and you can find more of the uh, the information about this and about this topic and other topics very relevant to today in Dr. Paul Williams' book, The Killing of Uncle Sam: The Demise of the United States of America. Pre-order it for May twenty second. That's when. Do you know, Doug? Somebody can go to to killinguncleSam dot com and they can download a chapter. And I'm going to tell you, if they download a chapter and they read it, they'll buy the book. Yeah, and, and what a great writing team, uh, Rodney Howard Brown and uh, Dr. Paul Williams. Can't get oh, much yeah, better he, than that. He's a riot. He, he uh, was a, he was a joy, a joy, a joy to work with. I'll tell you, and, you uh, know, you talk about a, you talk about a knowledgeable guy. Isn't uh, he? He's definitely one. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I could I could sit and have coffee with both of you guys and and spend well, we'll days. Have to do it. Yeah, let's do we'll it. We'll have to do it. All right. I'd love yeah, to see a, you again. You're gonna you're gonna buy coffee though. You're gonna be, I'm, gonna, I'm I'm kidding. Um, uh, seriously, <laughs> you you and I are, we're gonna meet up one of these days. Uh, I hope so, Doug. Yeah, we're meant to. Like I said, you, you look at the path that the, right now that we're talking to on your show tonight. You're the one that started it. You oh, are the God. guy that's I, for good or for, for good what or ill. You 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 you're the one that when I I I, I North. Northeast Intelligence Network. I remember reading that, like, and you know, I just couldn't believe it, and that's what started everything. And and, you know, I got to tell you, uh, and I said this before, but the ink was not even dry on that report when I sent it off to uh, uh, the FBI building uh, before Jelani wasn't on my on my on my butt, you know, and and running that that religious statement. And and of course, you went into the to the belly of the beast as well in Brooklyn, and as well as in Islamburg. We both have the scars to prove it. So, uh, folks, you're talking with really a, a, one of the premier investigative researchers, journalists on the planet, and that's Dr. Paul L. Williams. And we really do have a good relationship, folks. We work together very well. But I would urge everyone to definitely, definitely, Operation Play. Yeah, all of his Doug, books, all guess of his what? Books. We didn't do it behind the desk. No, no, that, that, no. No. Hey, if if uh, if Chuck was still alive today, my my, my partner from back then, uh, he'd still be reminding me of uh, that little. Oh yeah, we could one. talk about about the uh, the other things that, that Doug Hagman led me into, like a trip to <laughs> Buffalo to the Best Street Complex. I don't uh, have time to go into that. Yeah. Uh, I've been there a few times, Paul. Yeah, I I, dra- I dragged uh, Joe to that that place, and you know they're buying profit. Dr. Williams are they're buying property all around that. The in the old days, Doug, newspaper people went out and they did their own investigation. Their 
their own yep. study and they 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 found things and reported it. You th- you uh, you and I are the, we're we're the one school. of the last of a breed. There you go. I mean, we, yeah, none of this internet crap. By the way, this is before Google Streets or whatever, uh, or maybe not before I knew how to use it. So this is when you know you had the paper maps and yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the shoe leather burning. Go out there and uh, you know burn some uh, shoe leather and, and uh, get some scrapes. But uh, well, I uh, think one of the greatest the greatest pieces of journalism I ever I've ever seen, and I, I work for I work for every major newspaper in the country. One of the finest, maybe the best piece of journalism I ever I ever experienced was was your piece on this Lemberg. Oh, I really appreciate that. I, I really do. Now we got about two minutes left, uh, Doctor Williams. Promote the heck out of anything you want, or just put the capstone on. I would tell people right now, since I have two minutes, that uh, uh, what they should do if they have families, uh, yeah, go to go first of all to killinguncleSam.com, and uh, if you and if you download the book, order it at Amazon or order it at Barnes and Noble. I won't get any of the money. I'm not hyping. It will go to the school of government. But use that book. If you have small groups, or if you have classes, or you're teaching courses, that, this book has thousands of footnotes. Use the book as a resource. Because what you will find in that book, you, will, you won't find anywhere else. And I, I, once again, I think a lot of the credit goes to Rodney Howard Brown, who was brought up in, in South Africa, uh, came to this country, and... Uh, you see, from South Africa, it came from Cecil Rhodes, came from the from experience of the beers and the money cartel. He came with enough experience so he knew what was going on here immediately. And uh, he kept researching it and researching it. If you even listen to his sermons, they're galvanizing. But, uh, yeah, that, that I, I think this book is uh, beaucoup important. I don't think there's anything, anything like it out there. Uh, and, uh, I, I can tell you, folks, having the opportunity to, to look to to uh, uh, to look at a advanced copy, if you will, uh, I got to tell you, this is the book to get if you really want to understand the complexities, uh, the the various facets of the battles that we're facing today. And and you've done such a fine job. And Doctor, we got to get together, buddy. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm I'm. I'll buy the coffee. You and I will we'll set a day aside, and we'll just uh, we'll just. Uh, you got time. it. I'm definitely going right. to do that. All right, my my friend, uh, we're out of time. Love you. God bless you. You're the best. Ah, back at you, Best everyone there. All right. God bless you, sir. Take care now. Thanks thanks for your gift of time. All right. That was Dr. Paul L. Williams, uh, just a a tremendous, and I mean this, you know, it almost sounds like, wow, you guys are just puffing puffing each other up. No, you know what? Here's the deal. You go in and you uh, experience the, the you make the commitment. You go in. You do the actual physical surveillance, the investigation. You get an AK-47, um, you know, pointed at, at, at the at your back. You get escorted off a piece of property. You get a fatwa published, and uh, you hand off the information to Dr. Williams. He goes into Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, you know, he gets taken captive basically by a, a group of Muslims in the mosque that, over there. Um, it sounds almost surreal, but man, lucky man, not to tell us. You know, it's and again, it's under. Well, you you're on private property, you're trespassing, and people say, "Well, prove it, prove it, prove it." Where's the police report? Well, okay, uh, you know, 
but but the stories, the information is invaluable. The experiences that, that we've had together. So it wasn't really a, a, a kind of this puffery, mutual puffery. It was is really telling really what went on, and what is still going on. That's the key. Joe, I'm gonna kick we'll be right back after this break. Talk with Keith Hansen. Don't go anywhere. Thursday edition of the Hagman Report. We're going to be joined by Keith Hansen, and we are joined by Keith Hansen. And then next segment, we're going to be joined by Dane Wigington. Before we bring Keith on, I just want to hit this headline. I, I, you don't hear about these uh, anywhere else. Uh, apparently, in our 24-hour news cycle, these aren't that important. Deadly Thunderbirds crash marks fourth military aircraft incident this week. The famed Thunderbirds are grounded after a pilot died Wednesday during a routine training exercise. The incident marked the fourth U.S. military aircraft crash this week and the fifth fatality. The jet went down around 10.30 a.m. doing a routine aerial demonstration training flight over remote Nevada test and training range. And there were, a num- as this article points out, a number of other crashes this week, and it's very rare when you see two crashes, even in the same month in, in America, but four in the same week leading to five That's deaths. Obama's legacy. Thank you very much. It's Obama's legacy. Well, yeah, I, I believe that. When we, look at the shape. Look, look at the money that Obama took from the military, and and look at what he did to the military, to the troops, but but to the whole, uh, to our defense infrastructure. I mean, you drive over a bridge. A bridge falls. You know, bridge is falling apart. The roads are are, are crappy. The same goes for the military, but but this in particular, I believe, would be uh, a subset of of uh, Obama's legacy. That's just my view, but but well, I know Go we ahead. have uh, with us Keith Hansen. Keith, it's great to have you back on the show. Let's jump right in. Any thoughts on the uh, latest updates on this fourth crash on U.S. military personnel in just a week? No, actually, I uh, was actually just hearing about it from uh, from you guys. I've been I've been out on uh, yet another uh, active shooter instructor training program, uh, so I've actually been off air today. It was my first day back on air um, in, uh, so, in so two you, days. You, you, so you were teaching you were teaching your students how to crouch behind desks, uh, crawl under desks, hide in closets. Right? Is that is that? Actually, in, in this particular program, because this is a this is a civilian program, so oh, this okay. was okay. In, in essence, yes, this is yeah, uh, I got it. Um, businesses and churches that are not adhering to hey, let's arm our our faculty. Yes, it's the it, yeah. you know lockdown or a barricade or an evacuation or some type of of resistance. Uh, so, you know, try to disrupt. When you don't have a weapon, it's, it's more of a self preservation kind of issue. Um, if you're not, well, it's self, you know, it's, it's really funny that you mentioned that because I went off on a tear this morning on my show. And, and when I wrapped this program up yesterday, as I was, I was leaving this facility, um, which incidentally, um, was a, a public school system. And yesterday morning at nine 30, while we're in this school facility, Going through this process, we go into a soft lockdown because there was a spent nine millimeter shell casing that was located in some remote portion of the school. So, I mean, it, it literally, we were in the middle of a, of a soft lockdown while we're, we're doing this program. 
And uh, later in the day, you know, I'm, I'm talking with a number of, of high-ranking school administrators, and this was a this was a, a, a statewide thing. This was not just you know one particular school. So I've got a number of superintendents in there. I've got headmasters for private facilities, parochial facilities, Catholic academies, public schools, and we're talking about the the resistance aspect of this. Um, you know, where if you have, um, you know, you're you're in a public school, so you're not armed. And you have a gunman who comes into your room. You have a gunman who comes into your building, um, specifically in the area where you are, with aggressive, deadly intent. They've already demonstrated this by killing people, and now they are literally crossing the threshold into your room. You would expect that the average person would offer some degree of resistance. But what I was surprised to hear was a complete lack of even basic self-preservation instinct from these people. And it blew me away. Well, I, we're, we're not police officers, and, and we, how do you expect the teachers' unions to, to allocate extra money and hazard pay and all this stuff? Stop. Stop. That's yeah, not what we're talking wait, wait a second. About. Keith, no, 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 no. Okay, so hold, hold on. So they're breaking down. Just, please tell me this, this is not true. Please tell me you're... you're, you're are you are you saying that faced with a gun and likely death or at least it's going to hurt a hell of a lot there's no there's no impetus to fight back the the I, that's exactly what i'm saying the question oh. now becomes how do we get our faculty to buy into this because it's it, it's it it literally is the purest form of passive acceptance of criminal victimization, and and I actually had to stop, and I and I said to this group of people, I said, let me let me speak very very pragmatically here. If you do not possess even a basic self-preservation instinct, I said we're wasting our time here. We're wasting our time. We're wasting your time. We're wasting our money. The only thing that you can take comfort in is the fact that statistically you're never going to see one of these events happening on your property, which is kind of interesting because we just, you know, went through a soft lockdown because you've got a spend casing, you know, found on your, on your school property. You know, I, I used to say that the masses, and you know, you've heard, you've heard the expression before, the wolves, the sheep, and the sheepdog, and that's a, a Colonel David Grossman um, concept that, that, you know, I think oftentimes is very apropos. And I have to rethink the whole concept of the average the average people out there I'm not talking about your listeners. I'm not talking about my listeners because our listeners tend to be pretty astute. They tend to be pretty responsible people. I'm talking about the average person out there, the person whose kids are out there snorting condoms and chewing Tide Pods. That's the, the population I'm talking about. These people aren't sheep. They're veal. And I don't say that to be funny. I mean, at least a sheep will run away from danger. But what is veal? Veal is a small caged animal that was basically raised to be slaughtered and has no, no preservation instinct whatsoever. And the meat's very tender because it, it doesn't get a good workout. It doesn't get a good exercise. There are so many people out there in our society that are responsible for raising our children, and they're not even sheep. I would be happy dealing with sheep because at least I could probably train a sheep to run away. But a veal, a, a, a veal calf is literally just waiting to be slaughtered. And that's what we're looking at right now. And this, 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 you know, normally I'm dealing with law enforcement. I'm dealing with, and, and usually within the realm of law enforcement, I'm dealing with special operations units, SWAT team guys, people who are pretty low, high, high speed, what we call high speed, low drag. 
I don't spend a lot of time in academia and even less time in public school environments. And the attitude, the mindset in the public school systems today, I, I, I walked out of there saying, we are, we are so screwed, only I used a four-letter F word. Yeah, and you know, Keith, I kind of know what you mean, and it's hard when you're trying to judge society. But when you walk into a place like that and you see the, you know, what I, I wonder if the, if it's this: have we become co- too complacent? Have we become too uh, soft around the edges from all the convenience and, and the way we live our lives but, that has created Joe, an environment like this? But, but or wait is a it because isn't this a primal, a primal? It, well, thing? that's what I'm saying. It should be. It, it it has been throughout history up until what you see uh, societies that become too. Bloated. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why. Too soft. Okay. I, I, there, there, let me tell you. There ain't no way I'm dying on my knees. There's no way mm-hmm. I am going out without a, without a fight. And anyone, and anyone who, who thinks otherwise of, of themselves, man, I I can't understand that. I, so we are so screwed. You know, if I, that's I, the I case. think Joe's. I think Joe's on the right track here, though. You know, when we talk about this, this complacency, this attitude, we we have no natural predators. I mean, what are right. what are our predators? You know, it, it used to be we had survival of the fittest. So if you had somebody doing something really, here, hold my beer and watch this. Well, the problem would kind of work itself out. But today we have. Yeah, I, I was I was putting my my girlfriend's hair dryer away yesterday when I got home, and I and I'm and I'm looking at it, and I just just for you know for giggles, I checked the tag and. Honest to God, do not use this device in a bathtub or shower. You know, we have warning labels. We have so many mechanisms in place to protect stupid people from themselves. And, and, and we, I recall a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago where we're talking about the decline of the median IQ. At the dawn of the Industrial Revolution, the average, the median IQ in our society was about 122. Today it's 98. We are on a decline because stupid people... There are no mechanisms for stupid people to be thinned from the herd. And so now we're dealing with people that aren't even teaching our children basic concepts of self-preservation. You can't stand up and defend yourself because, well, fighting is wrong. You know, and that, that's, that's the message that's being taught to our kids. It's, it's better to die on your knees without having lifted a finger, without having flinched in a, in a self-preservation survival effort than than to go out, you know, do, do something for the love of God. Throw a pair of scissors at them. Do something, <laughs> anything, you know that that just goes to show this person that you're not just there to be a willing victim. But that's asking too much, not even of the children, but of the administrators of the schools that are responsible for providing care, custody, and control of people's children curb to curb on a daily basis. They're so concerned about liability. Well, if, if I do something, I could get sued. I, you know, I, that stuff doesn't even register in a survival situation. I, I couldn't imagine. But I guess the, the real you, question is, s- how do we get back to, to that primal instinct? How do we, uh, I mean, obviously our society is not going to change to go back to that survival of the fittest uh, when people are, are so comfortable in their uh, in whatever creature comforts they have, but how do we at least uh, help some of the people get? Or is it just gonna? They're gonna have to wait until they find themselves in that situation. What they're made of? They're gonna have to find wait until they find themselves in their situation. And now, what's interesting, you know, talking about uh, you know from the from the law enforcement aspect, now you've got a bill that is uh, being hatched in California right now to change the rules of engagement for police officers, so that way they're in essence 
police officers would be relegated to using deadly force only when deadly force is actually used upon them. So a police officer would have to wait until somebody actually fires a gun in their direction before being able to use deadly force. That's crazy. And Keith, you said you've been out of the the news uh, cycle for a few days. There's a a heavily disputed case in London right now where a 78-year-old man uh, was sleeping in bed with his wife and there was two home intruders, one with a screwdriver, came up to his bed. And long story short, the, he, the, the man with the screwdriver walked the homeowner down into the kitchen. The struggle ensued. The homeowner, 78 years old, stabbed the 37-year-old burglar. He died, and the police have charged him with murder, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's crazy to think self-defense in your own home. Uh, you, you come upon a home intruder who uh, is, is forcing you at a weapon point uh, to move around your house. He overpowers the man and kills him, and now he is uh, facing murder charges for self-defense of, in his own home. And that's what the, and, I mean, and it, is, that's what this breeds. This is a continue. I mean, yeah. they're rewarding and punishing the, the man for surviving. I was I was talking to a buddy of mine this evening who's a, a chief of police. When we were talking about, it. I said we're, we're becoming. We are becoming England. Um, we we really are becoming England. Uh, where you're, you're going to see now, you you have communities, and this is this is going to this is my forecast. This is going to uh, take its shape uh, and and gain traction in California. Um, and you're going to see efforts to start disarming only certain portions of police forces. I mean, you, you've been you've been hearing this call for you know for a decade now about the militarization of police. Um, we've had this conversation. I think going back to one of the first conversations we had back in uh, 2012, I think when we were having conversations yeah. about the militarization of police. Yep. Um, so you know you're seeing this constant push, constant push that well, police officers are basically there to be glorified babysitters only. We're going to wind up dis disarming them, which is, you're seeing more and more and more of that now, especially in, in Great Britain, where, you know, there's there's a, a lot of the beat cops, a lot of the bobbies are walking around out there, and, you know, they may have pepper spray and they may have a baton, but as far as the ability to use deadly force, that is a, a tool that is limited only to very, very specialized units in some instances. Um, and, and it's, you know, we're, we're starting to come full circle here, um, and it's, it's just the, the idiocy and the lunacy of this concept. Um, which you know, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think this plays into a much larger narrative, which is drive more and more and more and more and more people into the hands of the government because they're in a, they're incapable or inadequately prepared to be able to care for themselves, to be able to exercise even basic levels of personal responsibility in terms of personal care. And so it just creates much more of a business for the government. Now we have to be in the business of taking care of people and providing protective services to people and and you know basically cradle to grave nanny state government you, you know men lack i gotta tell you men of today are not the the men that you know of, of the 1960s 70s 50s uh, in my view anyway they, they lack um they, they lack balls i'm sorry you know i, I don't care if that's a and, and why is and why is that why is that? That's, that's because of the destruction of the nuclear family. It's because of the elimination of the father, the masculine role model in today's family. This is what happens when young boys are raised in a single parent, mother only household. And they're learning, they're, they're learning feminized ways of dealing with problems. 
and and now you've got you've got an even larger agenda. And we we talked about the historical origins of that, the destruction of the patriarchy. It was necessary in order to be able to combat the 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 oligarchies and the the, the patriarchies, those which controlled the means of production and the wealth, the bourgeois class. You had to destroy the patriarchy, but nobody ever looked at what the the, the the social and psychological ramifications of the elimination of the masculine role in a family is. And this, this is exactly what you're getting. Now, anything that is deemed to be even remotely masculine is Airfinger's, quote, toxic masculinity. Incredible. You, you know, and, and wow, the, the the information you're sharing tonight, I'm just, I don't know. It, it just, it just it, that started off really sideways when, when you're telling, telling me that, that, the self-preservation or the fight fight back instinct is no longer there. You didn't see it. That just kind of start started me off or really hit me hard. I, I just to hear that from you and and folks. Our, our guest is Keith Hansen. Keith Hansen show ninety nine point seven WNTK as well. Um, an incredible good friend of the show and an incredible uh, uh, talk show host. Uh, you got to tune in. You got to tune in. Listen to this man. Uh, quality information all of the time. And Keith, one of the other things we were talking about in the first hour and yesterday is a case out of Deerfield, Illinois, where a, uh, it's a suburb of Chicago, the city council there uh, voted to uh, confiscate or fine anybody who owns a weapon that holds more than 10 bullets in the magazine, a thousand dollars a day, up to a thousand dollars a day. And they're implementing this on, I think, June 23rd. But we asked, June at 13th. what point at what point uh, do we have to follow these unconstitutional laws and ordinances? Uh, I mean, do pe- should people turn their guns in until the Supreme Court rules otherwise? And how are these local municipalities allowed to get away with it? Bullets first, and I'll tell you what, Keith, I'd rather be uh, judged yeah. by 12 than carried by 6. But anyway. I, I, I would agree. Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple of different thoughts, and I, and I did read about that, yes, and I, and I did see a picture of that, of that uh, the, the governmental body that passed it. I would like to invite the 60-something-year-old woman to be the first one to lead the charge to come in and confiscate these firearms. The first thing, and, and, and you know, I was the, uh, the, the the past president and vice president of the Florida chapter of Oath Keepers. And for people that aren't familiar with Oath Keepers, I would strongly encourage you to research the organization. But in a nutshell, I'll give you the sales pitch version. It's a it's an educational organization that seeks to reach, teach, and inspire, currently serving in retired military and law enforcement about the oath that they took to the Constitution and their duty to uphold that oath. Now, there is a piece of legislation that's working its way through the state of Vermont right now, Senate Bill 55. Senate Bill 55, Vermont is the kind of state, when you talk about gun laws, Vermont was typically the state that was offered up as the shining state on the mountain, literally and figuratively, as a model of what a state can look like without gun laws. The state of Vermont had seven firearms deaths last year. Seven. Um, and, and, and the majority of those were law enforcement homicides. So w- th- this is a state that was the birthplace of constitutional carry. You know, <laughs> this is Vermont. We don't have gun laws. You don't even need a, a concealed weapons permit to walk around with a firearm. It's largely a progressive state. It's heavy, heavy Democrat control in both the House and the Senate. Surprisingly, it elected a Republican governor last last election cycle. But the the, the governor in, in Vermont, Phil Scott, really is a Republican in name only. About uh, a week after the Parkland, Florida school shooting, there was a plot to shoot up a local Vermont school in Pulteney that was thwarted, interrupted, 
stymie, whatever you want to call it. They were they were able to they were able to get the information. Somebody saw something. They said something. It led to an investigation. Search warrants were served, and they discovered this kid's manifesto. Which, in the majority of the school shootings, roughly eighty percent of them have kept detailed journals. Don't forget the two individuals responsible for Columbine. They planned that attack for thirteen months. Okay. Um, there's oftentimes a lot of planning that goes into this. But, you know, how often do parents allow their kids to just basically live their lives behind closed and locked doors? Um, this is where parents need to get involved. But this kid gets discovered. His plot gets discovered. They break it up. Suddenly now this hits too close to home. And Phil Scott says, I am now open to, <laughs> you want to guess the phrase, common sense gun legislation. <laughs> Okay, which would include assault weapons bans, bans on a stump, on, on, and I'm using their terminology. I, I know assault weapons bans is a misnomer. I'm just using their terminology. So assault weapons bans, high capacity magazines, which if you're buying an AR-15 or an AK-47, a 30-round magazine is a standard. It's not a high capacity. It's a standard magazine. Uh, bump stocks, what they consider to be high-capacity magazines, basically limiting any any uh, any semi-automatic magazine to 10 cartridges or less. Um, putting in a three-day waiting period for some firearms, a 10-day waiting period for other firearms, raising the age to purchase even a long gun to 21 years of age, so on and so forth. Well, as a as as a, as a past state chapter president and vice president of Oath Keepers, one of the first things I would do is say, well, okay, first of all, is, is this in violation of the Constitution? Yes, it is. So until this winds up working its way through the appellate courts, the circuit courts, and then if it ever wound up getting accepted to the Supreme Court on writ of certiorari, what are local law enforcement agencies going to do? Specifically, are they going to enforce this law? Well, here's where I got to say the law enforcement officers of the state of Vermont are actually doing the right thing. The Vermont Chiefs of Police Association and the Vermont Sheriff's Association have all said they will not expend resources to enforcing this type of gun control legislation. So in the case of, of Illinois, what I would be looking for is, what is the local sheriff saying? Is he going to enforce this? Because, again, you're not going to see the members of, and I don't recall off the top of my head, what the legislative body was that passed that, that, that piece of legislation. Was it a city council or... What I was think it? So. I think it was the city okay. council. I'll, I'll double check. So the city council is not going to not going to go door to door confiscating people's firearms. Um, and so, you know, the first thing I would do is I would say, okay, well, you know, who are the law enforcement agencies uh, that are responsible for providing those services in that jurisdiction, and and what's their say? And I would challenge the local police department and also the sheriff of that specific county to come out and make a make a, a, a decisive stand and say, no, we're not going to enforce this. We are not going to infringe upon people's constitutional rights. And, and let me say one thing. I'm 44 years of age. I am highly trained in the tactical use of firearms. I do, on average, four to 500 hours of continuing education as a student myself, and that I'm teaching thousands of hours on an annual basis. I am not a criminal. So there are mechanisms in place that if I were to come out and go out and commit a crime, I have something to lose, and that prevents me from committing crimes. But let me say this publicly right now. If you enact gun legislation that violates my constitutional rights, and by virtue of the fact that I refuse to have my constitutional rights trod upon, you make me a criminal, you now make me the most dangerous person out there 
because now I'm a highly trained individual who's highly armed and has nothing to lose. So these yep. people that are that are that are trying to pass all this gun control legislation, you better think because you are cooking a pretty damn big hornet's nest. And I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about every red-blooded, patriotic, liberty-loving American that's out there that is fed up with gunners and progressives, anti-gunners and progressives, trying to trot upon constitutional rights of citizens in an attempt to gain more control over the citizens of this country. And we just saw a great speech that we referenced uh, by a man addressing a city council saying, you know, we are... Uh, how come they never stick up for the majority? We're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and always the ones having their rights trampled upon in the name of, of safety uh, instead of you know blaming who they should. And, Keith, I don't know uh, what you saw with the YouTube shooter. Uh, there was a shooting that took place on YouTube apparently because somebody was dis- disgruntled about the monetization policies at YouTube. Right. But basically... Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're saying is, you know, they, these people are turning people into criminals, and that was the argument through the censorship and everything. It feels for some people like they have no outlet or no options left. But what you're saying is that, it, it, you know, non-compliance uh, is one side of the coin. The other side is you could see somebody go completely off the rails through, for stuff like this and because they're yeah. being turned mm-hmm. into a criminal instead of uh, actually doing something that is warranting a criminal offense. And that is a dangerous place to put Something's somebody. Something's coming here, brother, right? It's, 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 mean, very, it's very dangerous. But you know what's really interesting about that YouTube shooting that took place? How inconvenient is that narrative? Okay? We're not talking about a white Christian, pro-Trump, gun-loving, you know, conservative man. We're talking about an Iranian female vegan uh, animal rights activist who was using a handgun in a state with some of the heaviest gun restrictions out there. This violates every narrative that the... And she, 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 was, she wasn't a guy. She wasn't a Christian. She, she's not, a, she's not a, a meat eater. She's a, you know, she's a PETA-loving vegan using a handgun. Of course, it's always, well, the, the AR-15 is the, you know, the assault rifle is always the one that people use to... She used a handgun. She didn't go out and use the assault rifle, as people like to call it. This shooting violates every single narrative that they're putting out there. She wasn't an NRA member. So it's amazing how you, just, you don't find people talking about this. This is not yep. a convenient narrative for them. So they're going to gloss this over, and they're going to go right back to the Emma Gonzalez's and the David Hoggs, and they're going to continue to try to, try to you know, basically put talking points into the mouths of these children. But this one is really inconvenient for them because it does not match the narrative that they've been trying to spin. Hence why it disappears out of the news cycle so fast. Keith, we, we are out of time. I want to thank you so much for, man, for joining us uh, for the, the common sense portion of our show, the Keith Hansen Show. You can find Keith Hansen at Real Keith Hansen on Twitter. you got to follow this guy on Twitter, and you got to, yeah, man, listen to his show. Every uh, Listen to his shows, plural. This guy knows what he's doing, knows what he's talking about, as you, as you heard. Guys, thanks a lot. God bless. Hey, Keep up the good work. We'll talk next right. week. God bless you, too. All right, we have one more guest coming up. Dane Wigington of Geoengineering Watch is going to be our guest. He has been a guest several times in the past, and we're going to get the latest updates from him as to what's going on with our climate and the science behind uh, climate change. And Dane will be breaking down any and everything. Go to geoengineeringwatch.org for a, a fantastic website built with research about geoengineering. We'll be right back.
our final segment on this Thursday edition, April 5th, 2018. Uh, glad to have with us Dane Wigington, geoengineeringwatch.org. Just want to remind people, hey, folks, if you haven't done so already, sign up. Register for Occupy 2018, Canton, Ohio, what, two weeks from now, really. It's uh, April 2021 and 22. Go to hagmanreport.com, bookmark com, and from there you'll find the Occupy 2018 link. Click on that, of course. Uh, I'll be I'll be there with Joe, and uh, perhaps even maybe like a I don't know maybe Lady the Studio Dog, um, who I, I hear is wanting to start her own uh, Twitter account, but we'll see about that. Uh, so Occupy 2018, seriously, uh, register as soon as you can because the seats are filling up, the hotel rooms are filling up. Love to rub elbows with everyone that uh, we possibly could, and uh, we're going to be there. I'll be. Uh, Joe and I will be there, and I we're going to be sharing some information that you're not going to get elsewhere. So this is I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also tomorrow, third hour or fourth hour, half of the third I think, and the fourth hour I'll be hosting Infowars, uh, sitting in for Alex Jones tomorrow. So catch that, and of course also nine a.m. the Doug Hagman Radio Show, and two to three is John and Joe the Hagman Daily Show. So a lot of stuff going on tomorrow. Uh, I'll be solo tomorrow because John will be traveling. Oh, that's right. So. Yeah, John is traveling. Wish him the best of travels as well. Now, with uh, with that, I'm going to toss to you, Joe. Let's bring Dane on. Yeah, we have Dane Wigington. His website, geoengineeringwatch.org. It's a tre- treasure trove of research and information pertaining to uh, climate engineering and manipulation. And, Dane, it's great to have you back on the show. There is, uh, again, so much on your website in way of topics covering the spectrum of, of geoengineering. Where do you want to start tonight? I know we didn't get a chance to talk before the show. Well, I appreciate, Joe and Doug, you both continuing to understand the severity of what's unfolding around us. And I would I would drive this point home that even now the vast, vast majority do not yet understand the severity and immediacy of what is unfolding uh, we've been trained to believe as a society that catastrophic changes take a very long time to unfold. This is not the case. The equation we face in regard to the imploding biosphere, imploding ecosystems, crop yields, fisheries, all happening at once, the nonlinear nature of what's unfolding needs to be grasped by the majority so that we focus on priorities and understand that if, if we don't deal with preserving what's left of Earth's life support systems, uh, again, that is, of course, the end of the road. And, and the rest, and, and this is the bottom line with the immediacy of the situation, is as the power structure knows it can't hide the severity of what's unfolding, they'll play big cards. We've talked about this before, but uh, Joe and Doug, you guys have still seen the continued, we had four nor'easters in just over two weeks, now we have yeah. continued, quote, winter weather. You guys see this going on on the East Coast, correct? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sick of it. 50-mile-an-hour uh, winds, I think 25 to 30 sustained for a 24-hour period yeah, within the last 48 hours. This is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so. And then yeah. I think this we is two more the, nor'easters since you guys yeah, came yeah, up. Yeah, as Dane said, yeah, yep, exactly. We had, we had four total. So what U.S. media and the uh, paid weather dissemination uh, cover the tracks of climate engineering uh, centers like the Weather Channel don't tell us or don't talk about is we've had temperatures in March in India and other places of the Middle East pushing 120, 120 degrees. They're, they're wow. in the one teens. 
we had multiple countries, a long list of countries, completely obliterate their March high temperature records. I mean, again, this is um, the actual temperature in the in the mid one teens with heat indexes. We're talking about temperatures much much higher still. So if I sent you to a or Joe or excuse me, Doug, I sent it to you um, a world's departure from normal high temperature map. Not sure if you're near your email or not. What this I'm map not, shows, I, I got it. Um, okay. I, I don't have it with me, but I, but thank you for that. Go, go on. I, I, ju- I just sent one to you. I, it was just a few minutes ago, but uh, it shows one blue below normal area in the entire world, and that is the east coast of the U.S. and part of Canada. So it's important to remember that the country with the biggest military will make a, a profound effort to keep confused and, and cooler its largest population centers, and that's exactly what's going on. And, and Doug and Joe, you both know that our military is as big, if not bigger, than the next ten biggest militaries combined. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and I have to tell you, the last visit that we, that you, I mean, that when you were on last time, uh, you really had, you really sent the alarm out, and I got a heck of a response from that. We, we did um, from your last appearance, and I mean, we're we're in the end game here, as you've said, and I think I think everyone can see it. And, and while you were talking about the weather, I, I was I thought of the comment you made last time. People kind of just pay attention to their own area and and don't like you said, in parts of India in the one twenties, you know, one teens. We're not paying attention to that, especially when we're under um, an inch of snow in March or April, I should say. Uh, we don't pay attention to, to other parts of the world. We kind of think just locally as opposed to globally in, in that respect. So it's all, all important stuff. And, and what's important to remember about these weather whiplash cooldowns is they are not natural occurrences. Absolutely not. And with chemical ice nucleation, again, I'm sure people are starting to wonder how the incredibly extreme fluctuations are occurring from literally temperatures often in the 80s to snow in a day or back up to the 80s a day after the snow it's the chemical ice nucleation that creates a shallow layer of much colder air colder air is dense it settles to the surface and again I stress we know from pilots we're communicating with that the air at altitude is much warmer than normal in fact extreme warmth I think I've mentioned before the one Gulfstream pilot we communicated with their Gulfstream was put into an automatic forced descent from above 40,000 feet because the temperatures were almost 45 degrees above normal. 45 degrees above normal. So that the air was not dense enough to carry that aircraft. So again, uh, what's happening right now is a, a last-ditch effort of the climate engineers to keep the confusion and division going in regard to the true state of climate implosion. And it's it certainly works, doesn't it? You guys know from people that are in these cool areas, they can't fathom that it could be a 115 degrees uh, in March and in other places around the world. They can't really grab onto that, can they? No, you're exactly right. The the lack of attention and, in some cases, comprehension. Um, Yeah, no, you're you're right on the money with this. Uh, And, by the way, if you go to geoengineeringwatch.com, as you see on the screen here, or .org, I'm sorry, geoengineeringwatch.org, the material's there to pass out, and, and I would urge everyone to do that. They're all available for you, but uh, I cannot think of a more important topic with respect to humanity itself. Um, 
than this. And I think you've, you've well, I know you've been leading the, the, the pack and at the tip of the spear on this on this topic. What it's important for people about? to, well, I mean, again, we, we're in uncharted territory completely, and man's attempt to manipulate Earth's life support systems must be considered the epitome of human insanity. And with the articles we see coming from academia, and as I've stressed so many times, academia has, with very few exceptions, completely betrayed the human race and the entire web of life. What do we see? What kind of articles do we see coming from academia right now? The only articles that are printed by the power structure controlled media machine of propaganda are articles that say, that use words like could, may, might. Uh, we could have severe climate trouble by 2100. We may have severe food shortages by 2050. These words are simply designed to pacify the population. There's no could, may, or might. It's here now. It's here right now. We're facing environmental implosion refugees all over the globe, and this will accelerate radically. You guys, if you're shopping and you're looking at labels of where foods are coming from, especially in the case of many of our fruits and vegetables, they're coming from all over the world. Have you guys noticed the stickers on various forms of produce that it's not yeah. from here? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems like the transit, uh, the, the mileage, uh, what, do I want to, how am I trying, what am I trying to say? See, it seems like whereas we would get um, certain fruits and vegetables from, I'll say, 500 miles away in the winter, it, it, they're coming now from 1,500 miles away. It, it's it's a dramatic shift in the transit of, of these food products. Or in some cases, thousands of miles away. In fact, conservatively right. speaking, we're, we're using 15 calories of energy for every calorie of energy we consume. Uh, that's that's a very big net negative, and this can't continue. And much of that food is coming from countries that are starving to death themselves because they are being – this is where the U.S. interests term is always used, and people seem to think there's something benevolent in that. There's nothing benevolent in taking someone's resources at the barrel of a gun in order to pacify populations in America to keep them complacent until the last possible moment. That's exactly what's going on. So when we have the sun – I was at Mount Shasta yesterday taking snow samples – and this would normally be a very cool region this time of year. The second you get a full shot of sun, it feels like there's a heat lamp on you, literally. It's astoundingly warm sun. And even up at the snow level, about almost 8,000 feet up, the snow is at almost 50 degrees. And the snow is it behaves in a very uh, unorthodox fashion. It's, it, it sublimates, as we would expect the chemically nucleated material to do, which means... There's not a lot of runoff. It goes from a solid to a gas state like dry ice would. And this is what we see with the chemically nucleated material. So um, we have, again, from every direction, a power structure that is doing everything it can to pacify populations until the last possible moment. As far as, again, the important question is what we can do, I realize that psychologically speaking, it's very hard for people to face the threat with what's occurring in our skies. And, and that threat is immense. And as I've stated many times, mathematically speaking, it's the greatest threat we face short of nuclear cataclysm. But there's great solace in facing that threat head on. And Doug and Joe, you, you guys both know from, uh, from a faith-based standpoint, we're, we would be, from the perspective of many great traditions, we're expected to face the truth, no matter how dire. And that is the, also the hallmark of a, of a healthy intellect, a willingness to face the truth. 
But we don't see a lot of that in our society today, do we? No, we we see the opposite. And then you have the uh, you know the media and the, the mouthpieces of this country not only uh, promoting the non-truths and, and deceit, but it has gotten to a point where these are beliefs that are uh, the opposite of everything that this country has been founded on and what has made it prosper. And and the worst part is people are are buying into it and believing it. And to that to that extent, I want to ask you a question. Have you been ig- largely ignored by the media, by the liberal, or well, yeah, I, the censorship uh, crackdown? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, attacks. yeah. How is your message being either received or not received, or is it being? Or for example, would um, uh, Snopes and just, uh, websites like Snopes or? Uh, I don't know any website the that fact checker fact checker website. Thank you. Are, are they dealing with with your information? Are they ignoring you? Are they censoring you? What's going on? Well, because this subject is, I would argue, the one that the power structure most desperately wants to hide as long as possible. We get a tremendous amount of blowback from all mainstream sources. So, in the case of mainstream media and interviews that. Uh, were scheduled to happen, none of which ever did happen. I've, I've been interviewed by ABC and CBS in the past, and in, in one case with ABC, the environmental reporter took me aside. He he knew this was going on. He made clear he would have to spin the piece in order to get it past the filters and get it on the air, and he did. I had six minutes on the air, which was productive. But other interview requests with USA Today, BBC, New York Times, National Geographic, and others... In spite of extensive communication, all of those were put out. They were not allowed to happen. In the case of geoengineeringwatch.org, because our data is credible and non-political, we feel that there's a very, there appears to be a very concerted effort to not let that uh, be covered on too high a media scale. So on that note, what I would suggest along with academia is that the betrayal of the media the betrayal of the human race and the entire web of life is profound, and it's up to all of us, the public, to hold them accountable. And if credible data is sent to media personnel, what we do is we'll send, a, for example, our 20-page fact and photo summary booklet, which is a very condensed, hard-hitting, factually verifiable, right in that text, um, link to send to someone like media, and we CC about 50 other credible people so that that journalist knows that many are watching the conversation, that many will now know that they know what's going on, and there's no excuse for them not to cover this issue. And because it's bad for their paycheck and pension is not a good enough excuse when the planet is going down by the day. So it's up to all of us to provide the cover for those in academia who do want to speak about this issue, and there are many. I know some of them. But they need enough public cover to come out of the shadows. And that's where if all of us are distracted on various paradigms, left, right, Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, we need to get past that type of polarization. We need to unite the tribes and understand that, you know, in this case, an example I've used before, if if our head's on fire, and I would equate that to the climate engineering issue that it's toxifying our air, destroying our ozone layer, disrupting our hydrological cycle, contaminating soils and waters, it's destroying the entire web of life on top of everything else we've already done to the planet. And I would equate that to being our head on fire. And if that's the case, you know, we must 
forget about our, our skin, knee, and our stub toe. We have to deal with our head on fire. So we need to unite in that regard and look past the attempt of the power structure to polarize us and divide us. Dane, I want to ask you this, back to a point you made a little bit ago about the uh, you know, the controlling the, the temperatures, whether it's unseasonable cold and, and snowstorms to uh, this really hot weather. Let's deal with the cold here, what we're seeing in the U.S. with this, uh, as the Weather Channel says, you know, winter not letting its grip go. How does this affect things like the flu or we'll say the spread of diseases? Does this create an environment that uh, has the diseases and, and uh, airborne illnesses and viruses that make them more active, less active? Do we know how this affects uh, these things? The health impact is massive. And let me answer that question in a moment. I want to back up. As you mentioned the Weather Channel, and uh, if you watch the Weather Channel, or for those who watch the Weather Channel, they will see that there is absolutely a concerted effort to use certain terms, to repeat certain terms. Mm -hmm. As you stated, winter just won't let go. Winter just continues. And they, they drive this point home because that's their job, to sensationalize the engineered cool-down zones to maximize the psychological effect from the climate engineering operations, and they do exactly that. That's what they're paid to do, the paid liars at the Weather Channel, and that's exactly what they are, is paid liars. Does the Weather Channel tell you, by the way, the whole eastern half of the U.S. lower 48, the whole eastern half is only one two-hundredth of the Earth's surface, one-half of one percent. Is that really a snapshot of the entire world, one-half of one percent? And they're not talking about the full-blown meltdowns happening in other parts of the country. They're not talking about the fact that we're having wildfires right now in British Columbia. In April, the end of March and April, a wildfire in B.C.? That's absurd because some parts of the country are being fried in order to cool other parts when they create a high-pressure dome as they do over the, the, the western U.S. in many cases to spin clockwise, to spin the jet stream up and over us and back down into the lower 48, combining with Gulf of Mexico moisture. Since when do we have snowstorm after snowstorm after nor'easter after nor'easter with moisture right out of the record warm Gulf of Mexico since when? In the Weather Channel, have you guys seen, if you watch the Weather Channel, have you seen them talk about the warm side of the winter storm and the cold side of the winter storm? Have you seen that? No, I haven't really watched the Weather Channel in, in a few in a few months, except for uh, you know the local reports. But uh, to your point, you know the the what they have been doing with the terminology has just been crazy with the naming of stores and creating new names for uh, different kinds of weather patterns that are newly emerging and whatnot. It yeah, but but, uh, it's, but I, what you said about say what again the that that, the that warm side, warm of side? The storm and the cool side. Yeah. Okay. Th- th- this is this is fed to us now as if that's normal. You have a warm side to a winter storm and a cold side. And that is so meteorologically preposterous. And they state this on the Weather Channel as very matter-of-factly because, again, they simply make it up as they go. And their job is to cover the tracks of the climate engineers. So you have warm moisture from the Gulf of Mexico with thunderstorms on one side of the, quote, winter storm, temperatures in the 60s often or even warmer. You can throw a stone from 60 degrees to snow. Literally, you could ride a bike and cross that distance because they're nucleating those storms, and they typically, the backside of the counterclockwise low-pressure rotation is where they'll seed the heaviest, and that's where some snow begins to develop. And that's the term they use in the Weather Channel. As the rain turns over to snow, 
why would rain turn over to snow? And since when does elevation have nothing to do with the equation anymore? Nothing. They don't talk about snow at a certain level anymore. You're either on the winter side of the storm or the warm side of the storm. Since oh, I when? See. I see. So okay. why, why don't people get this through their head? These storms are not natural. And unfortunately, many in the anti-geoengineering community are not acknowledging this. And that's very counterproductive for our cause. And I hope they do acknowledge it. This is engineered winter weather, period, to affect the perception of the U.S. population more than any other, and most heavily done over the populated zones, as you guys know, the East Coast, again and again and again. Now, back to uh, back to Joe, your original question on the, the aggravation to our respiratory systems. Is there a factor? Is it increasing the flu and other ailments? It, it must be connected. It can't not be connected, because we know we know these particles are in the air column. We know they're highly inflammatory, so no matter what else is affecting the equation, the weather modification, climate engineering fallout, highly toxic fallout, a long array of heavy metals and chemicals and polymers, it absolutely positively is affecting the equation at minimum. At maximum, we have no idea what they're seeding these clouds with. We have no idea. And I would refresh your listeners that when we have geoengineers like Dr. Ken Caldera, who, by the way, just refused another another radio station's offered to debate with me. We have his taped testimony that your listeners can listen to on Geoengineering Watch stating on the record that his job for the government, for Lawrence Livermore Laboratories, was to design pathogens that could be seeded into clouds to infect the populations below. His job for our government. There you have it. Wow. I, I, I'm stu- I, I shouldn't say stunned, but hearing you say all of this, it, it, it just kind of... Uh, I feel like gobsmack with uh, with the information. Um, wow, incredible! We've got about five. Well, I don't know how many minutes left. Uh, right. I, okay, we really want you to get into in the closing minutes here what your what's on your heart, what you're passionate about. Just I give you the floor. Promote anything. Uh, guide people. Let people know because I mean you you are the one stop shop in my view for and, all things geoengineering. And just real quick, Dan, you were supposed to come on with Kevin Ship, and I know he had to reschedule. Did we nail down another date for uh, the show with the two of you? I, I'm not sure what what John has set up, but uh, Kevin and I communicate often. I've already discussed that program with him uh, as you guys proposed. He's all for it. That would be a very powerful interaction with Kevin on board because he can confirm and fill in the blanks with uh, just how far off the rails our government is, just how criminal it is at this point. So I'm not sure the date, but I'm sure there's no problem putting it together. What I would stress with the listeners is this, is to, to understand the threat we face, the very immediate threat we face from biosphere implosion, the single bigger biggest factor of which is climate engineering, not the only factor. I want to stress that. Absolutely not the only factor. And people misunderstand what I state. I have to clarify that. We, as I've stated many times, we, we're very poor, we've been very poor stewards of the planet, but climate engineering should remain our top focus. But academia and the so-called media, the propaganda machine for the power structure, have completely betrayed the web of life. And they are, at this point, they must be considered the single biggest factor in the climate engineering cover-up between those two elements. They, they are the biggest factors. It's up to us to expose them. And Joe and Doug, did you happen to uh, catch, or if you didn't, I would, I would recommend this. Uh, we did a, a video presentation of the interview I just did 
with Caltech, Carnegie Science, MIT, Cornell University scientist Douglas McMartin. A one-hour debate, first one of its kind, was done on WBAI. It's posted to geoengineeringwatch.org, and that is a very revealing debate as to the absolute dogmatic denial of academia. It was, it's preposterous that this, this scientist denied climate engineering because unless it was happening at the altitude and in the way that his personal interpretation of it was, then it couldn't be happening. Do you understand the meaning of what I just mm-hmm. said? And, and I saw was, that. And that's, I just, I, I felt it was um, insulting. To, I, but go on, go on. So did, did you happen to see the video or just listen to the audio? Uh, just the audio. Uh, I, I would yeah. recommend the video. The, vi- the video is there, and that is much, much more revealing because we have plugged in the documents that I referenced while that live debate was ongoing. It is much, much more damning still. And that video is on geoengineeringwatch.org, and that is a hallmark example of the kind of blatant, absolute lying going on from academia. And people like Mr. McMartin should be held as accomplices to the criminal climate engineering cover-up of these omnicidal programs, because that's exactly what they are. They are deceiving the public. That's their job. While these programs continue to pound the final nails into our collective coffins, if you will. So I would recommend that interview. Again, people will understand just how far off the rails the train is, just how much academia is a tool for the power structure. As as far as I could finish with this, I'll I'll toss it back to you guys for any final questions. All of us can play a major part in changing direction, and we only have to change direction a few degrees to end up in a completely different place. If we can reach a critical mass of awareness, we can expose these programs that would be the greatest leap we can take in the right direction, and everyone can play a part in that. Sharing credible data is absolutely key. And it, on the home page, again, we have uh, links that can be shared from someone's home computer to uh, authors of articles on climate, environment, agencies, elected officials. These can be emailed out and used as a tool, or they can be printed and copied and shared with one's personal circles, or we make data available from, you can order from Geoengineering Watch at our approximate cost as well. Bottom line, arm yourself with credible data, share it with others, help us to sound the alarm, help us to reach a critical mass of awareness, because time is absolutely not on our side. The sand in the hourglass is running out by the day. Yes, it is. And Dane, I want to thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing with us tonight. We look forward to, to having you back on. And folks, go to geoengineeringwatch.org, bookmark the site, and take half hour, an hour, and go through all of the links that Dane has put up there. There's so much content on there, so much research. Uh, you're you're going to be uh, have a whole new tool set of things oh, to use in Good the uh, geoengineering debate. Dane, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We are out of time. We look forward to having you back on in the future. Thank you, guys. All right, brother. You take care of yourself. You too. We wow. are wow, and yeah, I just hope people really understand the gravity. And and it's it's clear to me. I just look at the weather channel. Three yeah. more snowstorms that they say are going to come through in the next few days, uh, in between the Midwest and the, in the Northeast, and hopefully that after that, you know, and, and we all look. It's we all know a long winter weather happens, okay, but not this weather, and, and that there's a difference. And by the way, it's important to use. When he says credible information, credible links, credible documentation, it's important to use that that credible 
those credible links. And Dane Wigington is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, above reproach in his sourcing, as well as the terminology. Uh, let's move from um, uh, chemtrails to the, the 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 verbiage that the some of the mockers and scoffers will grab onto and attempt to uh, to marginalize us with the, with the terms. When in fact, you know, geoengineering, uh, that kind of thing, we need to go back to that or we need to get to that point where we can talk more intellectually or at a higher intellectual level and, uh, just share his information. His research product is, is absolutely fantastic. Joe, yeah. uh, don't forget yeah. the Occupy 2018 conference. Get your tickets as soon as possible. The hotel room, the hotel that's hosting the event is running out of rooms and those are the discounted rooms. And once they do that, you're going to have to find um, other hotels in the area, so you'll have to travel back and forth instead of having the convenience of being at the same hotel where the conference is at. But go to Coach Dave Live and get your tickets today, or go to Hagman Report, and you can get the link straight from there. I want to thank everybody for listening to us tonight. It's a great show. Dane Wigington, Keith Hansen, and Paul L. Williams. With that, we will be back tomorrow. Have a great night.